When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We're back. Legendary sickos. Legendary upside. Pat Green. Spike Week. Eric Bynfor. The playoffs are here with best ball. We're going to get into all the goodness. Our good teams, our bad teams, our good takes, our bad takes. What we're excited for this weekend and everything there in between. Let's do it. Pat, it's been a little while since we've been able to record one of these, but we had a lot of fun with them over the summer. The people seemed uh, uh, to enjoy. I'll toot our own horn. What Might as well off the top. People love to hear you brag on yourself, especially within the first minute of the podcast. But I just this they really week, love it. Got I do. I just got a, a message from someone um, this week that specifically highlighted one of our episodes that we did this summer that was like, I just want to say thank you guys so much. You changed how I viewed best ball. It improved my play. I advanced so many more teams, and I also feel like they're so much more live in the playoffs. And so, you know, uh, it's always nice, of course. How would that somebody... be? He advanced yeah. teams, so you must have had to sacrifice the playoffs exactly. to do that. I'm not sure if you're aware you have to pick one or the other. Life is you binary. Pick one, there, so how did he do there, both? That's there is impossible. no such thing. There is no such thing as nuance in this world. <laughs> this guy didn't get it at all. I, yeah. You don't advance the teams. You only talk win for the like, playoffs. Four hours an episode, and he clearly wasn't listening. If he didn't understand that you have to pick week seventeen, or 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 advancing, but the best ball playoffs are here, so a great time for us to come back together. And we're just going to chop it up. We don't have a necessarily a set, you know, subject like we maybe did over the summer. Yeah, we were very. Uh, we always stuck exactly to subject, and <laughs> really? <laughs> really just tight, just tight shows all summer long for you. If you remember, super super, super organized, super on track. Um, they were, they were great. Certainly no comments about, uh, marathon episodes or me saying, uh, uh, to wrap, uh, 45 minutes in and then us going for two and a half hours. But yeah, so if this is your first time listening, uh, maybe go back and listen to some of the episodes or just go see how long they were. Cause you'll get the reference, uh, from that. But first I just want to talk about like super high level, how you're feeling heading into the best ball playoffs. Because I think, uh, I, I think it's one of those things that I try to talk about like quite a bit at this point in time and throughout the course of the playoffs, because, you know, it's not like uh, people technically really care about how I feel, but I feel like there's so much out, right. It's like, it's like screenshot DFS where you can, it's so easy to see, Oh, like this guy's got a 25% advance rate. This guy drafted, you know, 50% Raheem Mostert, this guy like really crushed it, all these people. And it looks like, you know, this game is so easy. 
but really you get to this point in the season. And like, for me, I actually have a below average advance rate, despite a couple of really massive hits on player takes, but I have a lot of huge misses and I did take some bigger stands. And I like to just be like, like, here's how I'm feeling. Like I, I hear some teams I'm interested in here's some things I'm excited about. Here's some things I wish I changed. Right. And just like general thoughts on how you're like the playoffs are here now. How are you feeling about, how everything you, you know, how you handled everything over the summer and then like how your teams are sitting right now. Yeah, I think there's a, there's some spots that I, that I feel really good about the way I drafted. There's some spots where um, I didn't make the right calls. I think there's some team level things that like, I didn't hammer the Dolphins running backs as much as some other drafters did. I know Pete Overzet was really hammering that. And I was in on the general idea of like hammering these uncertain backfields, but I just, I got like a little bit overly cautious with the potential for them to trade for like Jonathan Taylor or bring in someone else. Cause I was like, really, they're going to stick with most I'm overweight a Chan. That was, I at least played it right there, but I just didn't, I just don't have enough Moster. And I'm definitely kicking myself for that one. What's like Mike McDaniels uncertain backfield. You weren't overweight. Like that's just a leak. So that, that one is like a more micro, like I don't want to do that kind of crap again. I was in on Kyron, that, like, and that was one that I, I signaled ahead of time. I was basically going to be looking for the Kyron, and then I was like, "All right, Kyron's the Kyron," and I, I was in on him. Um, that was nice. I probably could have gone harder, but you know that. And by when I say I was looking for the Kyron, I I wrote an article talking about late round picks in best ball, and I was saying like, look. Now, it's kind of funny because some of the guys that I was saying I wasn't really going to be high on are looking like pretty sweet picks right now, like Ty Chandler, Chase Brown. Like if you just kind of did throw the dart throws early in the offseason, you probably landed on some good guys that you're happy to have. They didn't help you advance really, but they but you're psyched to have them in the playoffs. Yep. But Kyron obviously was the guy who, I mean, he's I'm literally going to name the walkthrough Kyron Williams week. So <laughs> he's, you know, he's set up really well for the playoffs, but he's also been a huge advance rate guy. And we got the information that the Rams valued him as their clear number two. He was behind a, a, a starter that was extremely, you know, I mean, he literally quit on the team last year before they traded him this year. So just kind of an obvious spot for like to bet on kind of the depth chart stuff. We had a lot of certainty there and it, it kind of kept. And my point was we're going to get information and then we want to like hammer that information. So that's one thing where I feel like I played it right. I probably should have been even bolder to be like, this is the spot where I feel super confident. I know you you drafted a ton of Kyron because you were drafting like in the very last days nonstop. I was moving from Brooklyn to San Diego, so maybe uh, that also hurt my Kyron exposure a little bit because I didn't draft as much as I would have liked in those final days. Mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest misses for me from a macro standpoint was misidentifying where the the break was at wide receiver, right? Mm. I There was a Good tier one. break at wide receiver – right after Traylon Burks and Rashad Bay. It was before that. It was yes. before that. We called it the Bateman line on like every episode of the whole summer. The wide receiver was the Bateman line. Little did we know. It was way before that. <laughs> Bateman was down in that crevice. You should right. have stopped before you found the bottom of uh, the right. of that. Uh, Stop uh, before ball. Bateman, not not after. And, yeah, and the then, line, of course, you get. The, the line was don't go to that line. Don't go not, to Bateman not get yeah. in before that yeah <laughs> right but but there was like jacoby myers was and i i was high on jacoby myers like he he's 
one high on my advancing teams as well as in my over, overall portfolio. Um, and so, you know, he was a guy that I felt like, you know, the profile was actually pretty good. I was making exceptions for Jacoby Myers, but I was still structuring my team to basically like get my wide receiver firepower in before, uh, you know, Burks and Bateman were mm-hmm. gone. And, you know, obviously firepower is a strong word to use when, when those are, those are your guys. So that, that hurt Marvin Mims never fully breaking out hurt. Cause he was someone I hammered and I kind of feel like, like I'm going to do it again. Like if you let me get a Marvin Mims like that, I, I will hammer him again. I think, mm-hmm. you know, maybe Mims isn't as good as we were hoping earlier. Probably not when he was just like setting the world on fire on super small routes. It never developed, but like that is the type of player that I'm going to want to be overweight on. Cause I think, the high end outcomes are really high and like this was one of the low end outcomes and it's still like not that painful. So, um, but you know, it's not, it's not ideal to have like my highest, uh, one of my highest exposure wide receivers be, um, be Marvin Mims, but my highest exposure guys in the advancing teams are, I think Brandon, Ayuk and Debo Samuel. And I, and I feel like from a macro situation or team level situation, I got the, the 49ers right, which was big. Right. Like getting huge. I was out on Lance. I was in on Purdy. I drafted them aggressively. Thank goodness. Cause, cause to me, like I had 26 teams advanced out of best ball mania. So that's like one, basically dead even with um, expectations. Um, I had overall, I think I was a little under expectations when looking at my entire portfolio. And I, I kind of feel like you. I mean, I nailed some stuff. I also had, I mean, I hammered Anthony Richardson. You give me Anthony Richardson again, I will hammer him again. Yep. You give me Brees Hall again, I will hammer him again. I hope his ACL doesn't tear his Achilles. Like Hall was probably kind of a, a wash, but it, I mean, he should have been someone that's like power in my portfolio and, and wasn't quite. Give me Jalen Warren again, I will hammer it again. I know people were like, I had a Steelers fan being like, they'll never turn it over to Warren. They're too stubborn. He was basically right. But he was he's so he's so good that they had to make it at least a split backfield and and Warren hasn't hurt me. And I feel good about having Jalen Warren, but I feel like a lot of my big spots, like some of my hits didn't quite hit the way I was hoping. Um I didn't hammer the one that really hit and Hyron enough. Kyron enough. I missed Puka. Puka was another guy. I should have that's that was a leak too. Rookie wide receiver who the team likes you know, shallow depth chart, kind of an Amon Ross situation again. And I, yep. and I whiffed, <clears throat> I whiffed on it. So that, those are probably the, the most one and the Puka one are the ones I feel worst about. Um, I like Bateman and Burks, Burks prospect. It sucks. They both busted in a way that like made my, uh, my overall like team constructions worse. Right. But, like I'm probably going to do that again in the next like three or four years. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the, but the ones that sting the most, I think are the Puka, like I missed a rookie breakout in a somewhat obvious spot and um and the moster where it's like it's Mike McDaniel's running back and it's just a you know and I had Jeff Wilson and I had A chain, but I I was low moster, so that was stupid. Yeah, I think you outlined a lot of how I've been thinking about things in that like when you're saying I'd probably do that again, right? I'd probably do Marvin Mims again, I'd probably still do Bateman again. I feel like at this point, and of course, over the winter heading into you know spring, summer, when next year's drafts open up, the, the biggest thing and most difficult thing <clears throat> at the same time is analyzing what you did in drafts 
your player takes, your structures, your, I think it's a, even more so than just player takes. I think it's like what you talked about with the bait, the Bateman line type of thing, uh, mm-hmm. understanding your assessment of the market, right? Where, and where, where massive tier pool. breaks. Yeah. Understanding the player pool is just as important as do I think this player is a good pick or not probably way more so, but the most difficult part that, but that I'm most focused on is what was I definitely wrong about from a process perspective and evaluation perspective what did i just totally get wrong and i don't mean just like i liked bateman and he's actually not good right or i liked Traylon burks and he's actually not good because that's just that's just it is what it is you're yeah. gonna get some some players and- wrong it doesn't change he played out Traylon burks specifically I- i'm not sold bateman's awful i might be sold Traylon Traylon burks is awful i almost feel uh, the other way because i feel like burks has dealt with some serious injuries and we just don't know but bateman yeah, tor- has had more totally, of a chance what i will say is uh, also probably some recency bias that uh, someone shared in uh the spike week discord which there's a link to i'll also put a link to pat's discord uh in the description of this video uh that bateman is has been like a truly elite separator particularly down the field this year and and it, it's funny because it jives with you know i'm sure just like you watch all the games in particular watching the guys that you drafted a lot of right <laughs> and you're like please god every single game is just like please god bateman one touch like i'm not asking for 25 points dude i'm asking for right. 11 or whatever 11 would be and sick it would be absolutely this week sick. is especially would be nice. yes but i'm i'm watching and i'm like he he is getting targeted down the field and he does seem to be kind of getting behind the defense a little bit. And, but I'm like, I don't have any, you know, who am I to say I'm very biased, like I'm very biased, obviously, because I want him to, to score a long touchdown. And some of the data came back and was basically like, he's actually separating down the field. Amazingly. What he's, what he's not doing is obviously connecting on any of those. And he's probably not something we do probably know. And I feel like this about Burks as well. They might not be awful, but they're probably not these down the field guys. You can just go throw it up to, uh, which is a very different skill. Right. And in particular, for Burks, they have one of those guys in DeAndre Hopkins. And so it's like, if I got single coverage on each side, who's Will Levis going to chuck the ball to? Well, nuke. He's not going to throw. He's not going to throw it to Burks. There's also, I think there's an element of this that's because I I know the the chart you're referring to, and I had I had pulled it up, um, and I actually wrote about this in the walkthrough a few weeks ago. Of like, separation is a piece of the puzzle, but I really like ESPN's Open Score. Yeah. which is available for free ESPN analytics uh, slash RTM. You can check out all out there, but uh, I think it's really cool because they look at more than just separation. Um, they're able to use the player tracking data to like look at things like like they can tell like which direction the defensive back is facing, right? So like they also can tell the speed of the wide receiver versus the speed of the defender. Mm-hmm. So like Hopkins, because like contested catches are not the way we want to be getting there, you know. And like the guys who like right, we don't like want Devontae Parker. Yeah, right, yeah. George Pickens. Yeah, so like if you can't get any separation, actually, Pickens has improved a bit. So I, I think Parker's kind of the guy. Like he's that's like you truly he cannot get open. Like he's horrible yeah. in open score. Uh, gets no separation. You know, if you look at any of those types of metrics, Parker's going to be like dead last in both. 
Like he's not doing, like he's just bodied by the defender correctly. But but Hopkins might have the guy next to him, but like he's not usually in position to make a play on the ball the way Hopkins is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe that means Hopkins, you know, you'd think it would mean he wouldn't age all that gracefully since he can't separate that well, but he's aging pretty gracefully. So I don't know. But the, um, but separation isn't everything. And Bateman actually not great in open score. Um, he's not terrible, but he's wide receiver and tight end 60. Um, he's near like Devontae Smith and T. Higgins and Rasheed Rice. Uh, so he's not bad. But it's just, I, I guess I'm also, also skeptical that he's like, I'm skeptical of those separation numbers telling the whole story because they because I know uh, they don't tell the whole story on really good wide receivers. A hundred percent. And what I would caveat is that they definitely it, it is like you said one piece and a small piece of the puzzle. I always go back to Devontae Adams is the best wide receiver in the NFL because he's the perfect encapsulation of all of this and all of that nuance. Like you said, sometimes guess what De- Devontae Adams isn't open, but when he is covered he's still open because he can do the contested catch. Of course, when him and Rodgers were on the same team, it was much easier because they had a goddamn mind meld and Rodgers the most accurate quarterback of all time. Unbelievable. Um, But he also, you can't press him because he's going to, he's going to just, it it doesn't matter who the corner is, right? Jalen Ramsey, pick, pick your, your favorite corner in the NFL. You can't press him. And he gets separation immediately. He gets separation down the field. And then even when he doesn't, because even the best wide receivers don't always get separation, right? When he doesn't, he's still open because he can do the thing like you mentioned with with Hopkins. He's so good at the little body positioning. And frankly, all the best guys, Nuke is very good at this. Mike Evans is very good at this. Good yeah, at pushing off. Yeah. Good at pushing off, gaining leverage without getting called for, for OPI, right? Um, and so they do all of that. Bateman to me is the perfect encapsulation of like, he feels like MVS to me where I think in a, I think the separate, what the separation stuff is telling me is down the field. Okay. I, I think, you know, things maybe just haven't worked out between him and Lamar connection. I mean, it just happened this week. He was wide. He was like 10 yards behind the DB, mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. exaggeration, five yards behind the DB and Lamar underthrew him. And then he's not good enough to come back and make the play still when the ball is underthrown. That's MVS. You, he might be able to get behind the defense, but you better throw a good ball <laughs> and he still might drop it. But that, that, that's like Rashad Bateman. And so that is all us getting into the, to the nuts and bolts. But this is one outcome that happened for Rashad Bateman and that happened for, for Traylon Burks. It's easy to say, I should have seen it, right? I should have seen it. He wasn't good. He, he hasn't popped off before, but also – in particular with these guys, like you said, we like them as prospects. There is not much target competition in those offenses, right? There was absolutely reason to believe a young player with a good prospect profile had like some production. It wasn't like neither of them, you know, they weren't JJ Arcega Whiteside or whatever, you know, they, it's not like they yeah. did nothing. Yeah. So there was reason to believe in good, good offenses in the Ravens example, maybe functional offenses in the Titans example that they could take a step and be good. And I, I don't really feel bad about those bets. Like you said, if we get another second or third year wide receiver in the eighth round next year on a potentially good offense, like I, I'm not going to shy away from that because I whiffed on Rashad Bateman. But I also want to take 
the lessons like you mentioned with the dolphins and i did the same thing i'm like i'm i'm not completely uncomfortable with my exposure to those guys but i'm disappointed in myself because yeah it's a situation right i didn't draft zero of them and i'm not underweight really any of those guys but it that's a situation especially with the way that i play where i very i take big stands i'm very comfortable losing it all having a low advance rate or whatever those are specifically the examples that I should be targeting and I should be hammering all right. three of uncertain. them. Like you mentioned, yeah. It's uncertain, high upside. I love the dolphins. And like our buddy game. saw it. So it also yeah. makes it more. It, it wasn't, it wasn't like I got distracted by somebody who didn't write somebody. I really trust who maybe had me thinking something differently. I have no one to blame, but myself. No, I'm it that. Abs- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably cost my friends more. Most. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? I think the difference between, hammering Rashad Bateman and hammering Traylon Burks and missing on the Dolphins backfield are two very different lessons. And I'm trying to make sure I'm taking the right lessons. Like you mentioned the the Kyron thing, flipping it to the good. We got plenty of bad because I got plenty of bad things I did over the summer, but the Kyron one was like, I, I, I screwed up with the Dolphins thing. And I finally learned my lesson. Like this is everything we dreamed about in best ball. You get, a guy who was undrafted for most of the summer, completely undrafted. We, because of the lack of information, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying we shouldn't, we should have been drafting him in, in April or, or May. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying once we got the information that you, you outlined, right. And we have Cam Akers as the guy in, in front of him. We have the Rams who are a fantasy gold mine for running backs, absolute gold mine. And then we, like you said, we, we get the inform we get the information and he is, it's not just, we got information like, oh, maybe this guy's a good pick. No, we got information that this guy was like 10 rounds undervalued, like maybe a slight ex- exaggeration, but we're taking committee backs in uncertain situations, right? Antonio Gibson, before the show, we were talking about, I'm scrolling my teams for Antonio Gibson. Why was Antonio Gibson a 10th round pick and Kyron uh, a 20th round pick? There's yeah, really- He was Kenneth Gainwell, but in the 20th round, it's sort of the 12th. Right, exactly. And so I processed all of that, like you said, late, later in the summer. I just so happened to get very lucky that like, I had a lot of drafters and DraftKings drafts still to do. So I, I didn't have a ton on underdog of Kyron. But I said, this is like, this is like generational wealth opportunity. Like, <laughs> like I, don't, I don't know that Kyron's going to be anything. But my, like, if, I, if I didn't adjust for ADP in my rankings, he'd be in like the top 100. And he's going in the last round of drafts. So I basically just took him. In every draft on drafters and DraftKings down the stretch, I would reach for him up, you know, up in the whatever. I want to get unique combos. I finally got a little bit of Puka, nowhere near enough, but I did a little bit of Puka at the end. And I was just like, I'm just going to take these Rams like in my last three rounds. So if I got to pull Kyron up, give me Puka 2 2 and, and Kyron at the end. And just who cares about ADP? Cause I want to get these guys. And I feel like I did that. That was like the the best thing I did all summer and I processed the whole situation appropriately. And I just hammered it. If Kyron got hurt. Guess what? <laughs> It'd be a very bad year for me. Very, very bad. But that's the risks but, you take when you spot an edge to do it. And I feel comfortable with the way I processed it. Yeah. And I feel like I nailed the Anthony Richardson thing. Like Anthony Richardson was an awesome pick. He like, I, I had, I have a big old bag of big board Anthony Richardson where I was just like, I had like 60 what a something smash percent of him. in the big board. I mean, absolutely home run, home run. Yeah. Like it didn't work out, but like that's, that goes down to the wind column. Like 
I, I mean, because that's you know the the process of results idea. Like, if you're trying to evaluate your own play, like, you know, and you could say like, oh, Anthony Richardson was going to get hurt because he runs. Well, like, half the half the league is out, guys. We <laughs> lost half the league. Also, so if you look I'm, at the I'm list, not that, I'm not compelled by that. It's not more runners. It's that's a I'll I will go to my goddamn grave that that whole thing is a myth. Can runners get hurt? Uh, uh, of course. Of course Absolutely. they can. Of course they can. Of course they can. They're naturally going to take more hits in the open field. But guess what they take less hits of where it really can be catastrophic when, when you get hit. When the pocket collapses and you have no ability to get out of there, it gets bad, dude. There yeah. are uh, four or five, six, 300-pound men who are very, very strong and your own offensive lineman collapsing in down on you and falling on top of your legs or hitting you in the head or whatever. Like, if you are able to get out of there, like, look at Kyler. Yeah, he blew out his knee in the open field, but he never gets hit, ever, never gets hit because he has the ability to avoid avoid the rush. So anyway, just a pet peeve of mine. I'm going to my grave with the whole myth of the running quarterbacks getting hurt more. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, and I think the on the Bateman one, I feel kind of of two minds about it. One, like if you just the Burks one's cleaner because Burks sprained his knee, and I stopped drafting him as much for sure, but I still drafted him some, and I probably I probably should have just stopped drafting him. I think that's one of the ones. And Bateman, you know, kind of had the foot thing, and I was like, ah, it doesn't seem like a big deal. Like he's he should be fine, but like he missed. He missed an entire training camp with a new offensive coordinator, and I think that clearly didn't help. Maybe he just stinks, and that's that's enough, but it didn't help. So um, I think taking those – it's like, okay, these are already kind of – I wouldn't say long shots, but they're wide receivers that have some red flags. They're not cheap. They're still in the single-digit rounds. They're upside bets, so you're willing to take on some risk. But the risk is starting to pile up. And I think there's a thing where if I like a guy and it's like, hey, here's another added piece of risk. And we're like, yeah, I know he's risky, dude. Shut up. But it's like, no, no, no. He's riskier. He's riskier. It it matters that he's riskier than he was before. And I can kind of hand wave that sometimes. So I think I did that with Bateman and Burks. But I also think with Bateman, when I go back and I look and I kind of evaluate the way I played it, the the way I screw up the Bateman thing is if I only played it through Bateman. Mm, but I have yeah. a bunch of Andrews. Okay, now that didn't work out, but I mean, I feel I feel okay about that. I mean, at one point he looked like one of the best picks you could have made because the second and third round was so gross. Um, the I have a bunch of J.K. Dobbins, also a disaster. Feel pretty great about that. I think he was yeah. actually an awesome pick. Uh, I have Zay Flowers. I'm not like super overweight Zay Flowers, but I didn't I didn't fade Zay Flowers, and he's not a prospect I like. So, but I feel okay. Like, okay, you got at least at least you're willing to like be even with the field on this guy. I didn't really like because you liked the Ravens. It's like I like the Ravens. I'm going to draft Bateman because I like the Ravens and I like the prospect. But I'm also going to mix in this rookie who might pass him. I'm also going to hedge a little bit with Odo Beckham, which I did. Yep. Yeah, I was kind of one of the guys, you know, when we're doing these best ball breakfast drafts with Pete, like I was more like, if we don't have Bateman, we should take OBJ. I know it's gross, but let's do it. I didn't do that a lot. He was not a target for me, but but I wasn't close minded to that. So that's where I like review like and I feel okay about it. I feel Mm -hmm. okay. The foot thing, I should have I should have factored that in a little bit more, but. I mean, you're not going to be perfect and, you know, and I'll try to 
try to be more cognizant of that next year with guys that I like that are nursing injuries and especially new situations um, or with like changing teammates and stuff. I think that's, that's something to keep, to be mindful of, but the rest of the, the way I played it, you know, I made a, I made a logical coherent bet on the Ravens as part of my portfolio this year. And I I like that. I did that. Mm -hmm. Didn't work out as well as I would have hoped. A lot of the key pieces got hurt or, you know, it sucked. (laughs) <laughs> but I think it was a, I think like when I review that, I'm like, all right, good. That, that was, that was a good way to play this. That's exactly how I, the, the, I don't really have that much to add. The, the Ravens were <clears throat> outside of, I guess, probably commanders. The Ravens were my biggest bet. Those were easily my two biggest bets from a team perspective. And it, they're, they're fun. It's funny in that they're, they both panned out similarly um, but also very, very different. The Ravens, I feel like, were a huge hit. I think that has proven to be true, despite the fact that their starting running back didn't even play a half of a game, mm-hmm. and despite the fact that Mark Andrews missed week one and then you know broke his ankle or leg or whatever it was uh, later. Uh, and, and like you said, Rashad Bateman was a whiff. But the whole, the the entire bet was about yeah, uh, I want the Ravens. And like you said, I feel the same. I, I did the same thing as you with Odell. Um, it made me sick, kind of sick to my, sick to my stomach because that is not the type of player I like. But I think that is when I go back and look, I say, you have your biases. And it, it, it's not even just, I mean, it's definitely a, a bias by definition, but it, it doesn't mean it's bad to prefer younger players and to dislike older yeah, players. Yeah, you, you kind of, if you're drafting like kind of archetype based, yes. then you're sort of, are going to be biased against certain players, but that's like but kind of the point. Be willing to, to understand that that archetype preference is not the whole story. And yes. It's not the whole, it can be the whole story in terms of like how you, how you want those guys to look in your portfolio. I did not want Odell to be higher owned than all the other Ravens. Like I, that would have been a mistake in my opinion, but I didn't want to be like, Nope, I'm going to draft every single Raven except Odell Beckham. Like right. I, that's, I think that's how I felt too. Yeah, I think that would have been the the mistake. And so, like you said, same thing. It it looks bad now when J.K. Dobbins is on all these adv- advancing teams. It feels bad, but I would do it again. Same thing. Like I would, I I believed firmly that J.K. Dobbins was the best pick, like pound for pound, you know, point per dollar, whatever the hell you want to metric you would like to use uh in in all the drafts and he kept getting cheaper like if the market if the market had agreed with me and he skyrocketed up maybe my exposure would be a little lighter but he kept getting cheaper and so i was just like i'm gonna take this opportunity to take this stand and it didn't work and i'm but i'm okay with that right and that's one that i'm okay with but it's finding the ones it's making sure that you process that like we just talked about and you're like i'm okay with what i did there it sucks i lost money right but like, like, if, like in, if in DFS, if you play a guy who gets hurt, you're very willing to just be like, I ran bad. I got, I, I got unlucky, but kind of when it happens or even in the Bateman example, when he doesn't pan out and maybe he stinks in best ball, I find people are, they always want to draw a conclusion to make a different decision in the future. And a lot of the times, actually, it's like, he was still a fine bet. Maybe should you have tweaked it a little bit? That's great. Part that's a great analysis that you gave on like, okay, he, he maybe became a lot riskier. How do I put that into my portfolio? But like, that doesn't change. Should you have drafted a bunch of him in May in the ninth or tenth yeah. round? You know, and so, but that's the thing that I, I'm trying to assess the most right now. And it's hard. 
I mean, it's it's hard because a you want to beat yourself up for your mistakes, but also you want to hold on to I think I was right about this when really you know you got to find that that middle ground where the answers are. Yeah, for sure, and I think you yeah you, you do want to draw conclusions. I think there's something about the it being a season that we live through. You know, it's so long; it's like half a year of our lives instead of one week, and so things become um like like we start to feel like this was this was destined things start to feel destined in a way that they don't in a single week slate part because we, we don't ever like what happened in week three do you remember i don't like what was the week three thing that like you felt that way for like two days of like i should have known this but then oh, you cole don't turner, cole turner got to play in week three i only know that because i uh have been scouring my useless cole turner teams but week three with logan thomas is out there you go there's my right. week three memory that's how did you guys not know I... how did you not yeah. know that cole turner imagine was not play knowing that cole turner had a 25 percent target share in week three you, you donkeys <laughs> so like we don't live with that we we wipe it from our brains and we move on but with the season long stuff, you sit with it, then it happens, you know, like it builds on itself and builds on itself. And it's like, well, obviously this was the way this had to play out. And I think especially with some of the injury stuff, with some of like the banged up guys who kind of have disappointing seasons, guys playing through injuries, like that kind of stuff. Like this is not the way it had to go. Guys who's with quarterbacks who got hurt that tanked their seasons. Like this was not set in stone. Um we we live in one version of what could have happened. So I think, you know, it's just, I think our brains are going to, are more likely to sort of play tricks on us in, in the way of feeling like it had to happen this way than, um, than, you know, I mean, unless you're just like a mega take lock type of type of person, but I think in general, it's okay to be like, yeah, I, I'm going to play the Marvin Mims again. Like I'm the Marvin Mims card is one I will be, playing like that that's a one that's a that's one i like didn't really work um but like the broncos were functional you know it was like a cheap bet on the broncos bouncing back a little bit that more or less worked out judy kind of i didn't like judy as a pick i i got kind of bullied onto him a little bit because he was like generally liked by by drafters that that i respect and that didn't really that didn't work but you know um that didn't really mean marvin mims broke out either so that's right. that's disappointing. But if the Mims bets like sort of a bet against Sutton and Judy, who I wasn't super high on, um, betting on the Broncos to bounce back a little bit under Sean Payton, like check and check. Like he's not quite as good Tim or Patrick not trusted hurt. right Tim, now. Tim Patrick got hurt. It's a, I mean, the runway was there. Yeah, it was there. It just didn't really hit. But like, I'm going to make it again, dude. I'm going to make that bet again. So, yeah, I think some of those are – it's fine. It's good. It's probably good to have spots like that. You definitely don't want to like conflate things. You you know lessons learned with like no nope, everything I did was fine. <laughs> but that, that, but, but yeah. that's the thing, right? Is like figuring out where that middle ground is. Like because you want to take lessons, you want to improve your play, you want to see what you did wrong and try to spot it. You know, and because the difficult part is it's not like we get to redraft this year all over again and say, oh, I screwed up right. Bateman and Burks. Now I'm gonna next next year I'm gonna fade them. Like, <laughs> next 2023 I won't. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, so you're you're trying that's the most difficult part is of course figuring out if you were right or if you were wrong or you know the nuance. It's generally not that binary. But then 
it's not even just figuring out even those lessons, right? The Dolphins lesson. Because guess what? We don't get a Dolphins lesson. Like, there is no Dolphins there's next no, year. There's, because, yeah, exactly. Because this year happened, right? So now guess who's not going to be, you know, you're not getting 15th round Devin. You might get the Dolphins whatever. one again, though, because they're going to bring in, like, another dust ball and then a chance like is not going to stay healthy or we might 100%. actually get the dolphins again. Yeah. A hundred percent. People will talk themselves into something with the, 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 this year it was Tua couldn't stay healthy. Right. Because of the, right, the right. concussion stuff. Um, we always come up with fun reasons to, God, uh, uh, who is the only healthy quarterback in the league? Literally, literally the, the single, year. the single most divisive quarterback all summer in terms of will he stay healthy was to a tuck of and he's the and it's only him and Dak guy in that in that range basically they're only and, two and, survivors and just not that long ago Dak's freaking leg was dangling you know he had his leg up in right. the air and it was oh, dangling God. like like this um and Dak was bad remember Dak threw too many interceptions Dak wasn't very good turns out pretty good pretty good at football well um, mike mccarthy wasn't calling the place then who's he's well, clearly the, the clearly what season is this what happened <laughs> adam thielen bounced back and he turned back into a pumpkin mike mike mccarthy <laughs> is is a genius brandon staley the analytics analytics guru just got fired this morning as of the as of the time that we're recording this it's like the whole he hadn't been really guruing in a long time I'm, that guy um, he'd retired that, from his the word capitulation was the 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 key, one of the keywords catchphrases of the whole summer. You want to talk about capitulation? Brandon yeah. Staley is king capitulator. He came in and he was awesome. And he, a couple of fourth downs went wrong. He got roasted by Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith and Rex Ryan and shit. And he was like, "Nope, done with that." And we saw how that how that uh, worked out. I'll, go ahead if you have some. Well, I, I think th- it just reminded me of the, the Adam Thielen pumpkin thing reminded me, you know, because that's kind of an archetype one. And that was like one of my biggest misses for a while. And then notice I didn't bring him up as one that I'm like kicking myself on. Go, like, oh, no, I don't have the aging slot receiver on the worst passing offense in the league. <laughs> I think we, we survived it, guys. Um, but <laughs> the, <laughs> by the way, Jonathan Mingo's like, we talked about open score. He's like the worst open score in the league. And they keep beating him targets because they're it's just amazing. like, don't fire us, Tepper. Your picks are good. The only, the problem is nobody gets open on that offense. You have to throw it to some – like Bryce has to throw it to somebody. I, I, Bryce right. sucks. I, I want to get that out of the way. It's just kind of like the Brandon yeah. – it's kind of like the Brandon Staley thing. Brandon Staley sucks. I want to caveat it with that, right? Like, but X, Y, Z. Bryce Young sucks. I believe he sucks. I didn't think – I was not a believer. I hardly drafted him at all. I'm generally not going to draft <laughs> five, seven quarterbacks who also don't run, but – like I, I feel a little bad for him, honestly. Like the line was supposed to be good. It's terrible. Um, they don't have a single guy who can get open. Adam Thielen was like, you know, okay. I know he was putting up huge numbers, but it wasn't like he was peak Devontae Adams out there for the first half. They just didn't have. Well, it's also he, he was getting open, but it's like where? Yeah, you know, it's, right. Reading it's, the defense, it's kind of reading stuff. Reading a zone defense or reading a you know right. an option route or something is very much different than than you know uh, the types of ways Tyreek Hill gets open or or whatever they're a exactly. li- little bit different. But I just wanted to say I, I've I've dunked on Bryce and definitely the Panthers a lot. But I do watching the games because I have so much Chuba. Uh, I, I I do feel a little bit bad for him because those pass catchers are absolutely atrocious. They are. And I but Mingo's a guy I'm gonna make bets on again. Um, not specifically Mingo because he stinks, but guys like Mingo, you know. And I actually think 
betting on Mingo is like one of those things where I feel like it's an improvement in my play. Where like I didn't think Mingo was that great of a prospect, but he was a second round pick. They're going to try to get him on the field. They're going to try to get him involved. Reports out of training camp was that he was going to have a big role. He has had a big role. He's very bad. The offense sucks. But like we didn't know the offense was going to suck. CJ Stroud was one of the league winners, and all of his pass catchers were individually league winners because we didn't know that offense was going to suck. It was awesome. The Texans were terrible last year. They were they were really fun when you know everyone was healthy. So I just I think that's like actually a bet. The Jonathan Mingo, you know, I probably took like too much Mingo, and maybe not like I should have hedged a little more with Thielen, but like whatever, fine. You know, I, I didn't like nail it um in terms of the the exposures probably but just generally like being in on jonathan mingo i'm like yeah i like the i I like that i was in on a prospect who i didn't think was good didn't actually turn out to be good but got a bunch of opportunity and honestly jonathan mingo could go five for 80 and a touchdown one of these weeks jonathan mingo could like kind of matter um you know especially if it's a week 17 that he does that like he's he's someone that you're like not disappointed to have on your team and the 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 kind of larger point that he reminded me of is that I think I'm probably going to write about this, but I think one of the biggest differences between maybe like traditional fantasy football or like a traditional fantasy football mindset anyway versus um, versus best ball is that I actually I'm starting to feel like rookies are more powerful than second year breakout bets. And then we actually, because the, and the reason being that like you busts aren't even like a problem. Like Ty, you know, Tyquan Thornton was on my team that won uh best Mania three. He stinks. He absolutely stinks. Jonathan Mingo could win someone $3 million this year. And he sucks because he's going to, because he's going to be out there. Mm-hmm. And next year, will Jonathan Mingo be on the field and being fed targets in week 17? Probably not. Because he sucks. And, like, I went back to the well on Alec Pierce and was kind of like, I mean, because I drafted a ton of Anthony Richardson, that's partly why. But it's like, hey, what if, you know, he breaks out in his second season? It's like, actually, dude, and I took I took Josh Downs. It was not on Josh Downs, but actually I should have been hammering Josh Downs because he's the guy that hasn't put anything bad out there. And it's always possible you get, like, a DJ Shark second year breakout, you know, that that's like kind of an enticing comp when you're thinking through like, especially cause like Pierce is a similar archetype, you know, but it's the downs play that is the better of the two. As long as, you know, he's looking like he's going to have a role. The team seems to like him because he's, he didn't have a ton of draft capital behind him, third round pick, but those things were in place and you're already betting on the team. It's those rookies down the stretch that are more likely to get out there on the field, even if they suck. I love that. That's such that, that that's so true because it is um, a way to win twice, right? That's we're constantly talked all summer about all these different ways that we can set ourselves up for the playoffs and the micro edges and the micro levers. And ultimately what we're trying to do is give ourselves the best opportunity to get lucky, right? If you go, if you take the Twitter this past week, you probably saw a bunch of curmudgeons, a bunch of guys who don't, maybe don't love best ball uh, or they're just dicks 
and they're out there being like, oh, your best ball is all about, did your guy stay healthy? And, you know, do you get lucky in week 17 to have the guy who scores four touchdowns or whatever? And it's like, yes, obviously. Welcome to any sorts of gambling or sports speculation. The whole point is to try to put yourself in a place, especially in a peer-to-peer game like best ball or, or DFS, poker, whatever. Put yourself in a position against your peers to get lucky. And then in best ball specifically, DFS is the same, but with super heavy, top heavy structures, right? And all that kind of stuff. Like I want to win the whole thing. I don't want to just like do okay when I get lucky. So when I'm setting myself up to get lucky and then when I get lucky, I want to get like Pat Corain lucky, (laughs) right? Like I want to get, I want to win the whole fucking thing. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I'm sure that you would. I I, want to get so lucky that I finish first or, you know, I finish very, very near the top. So having a guy com- comparing the two is such a good, the second year versus the rookie, the second year guy who maybe didn't perform in year one, I need to get lucky that that was a fluke, which it could be like that. That's a coin flip. Like that's fine. That's a totally fine. And he was on the field a lot. Yeah. You know, I knew he was going to have a role. Like I'm like, I'm getting routes. Here's the Alec Pierce bull case, right? I'm getting routes and he had draft capital behind him. He's athletic and he wasn't terrible. That's the whole case. Right. Exactly. So your whole case is this guy who wasn't terrible and is probably going to play a lot, takes a step and still plays and still plays a lot. And that I'm not saying in a vacuum that that's a bad bet. I make those and we're going to talk plenty for again for the next nine months and there are going to be some of those bets we we do make. It's not to say ignore second-year breakouts, but it is to say when I'm prioritizing those different things, the second-year breakout needs to – I have one route to getting lucky, essentially. It's that his role state, for Alec Pierce, example, his, his role in terms of playing time and routes remains the same, and he gets better because he has to. He has to get better. He can't be this level of better, player. Yeah. He has to get better. The rookie, I can get lucky in a couple different ways. A, he could just be good. He can be Amon Ross St. Brown. He can be Odell Beckham. He can be Justin Jefferson, whatever. Pick Puka. He can be that guy. And he's just a stud from, from day one. But even if he's not, like you said, they're not the, the teams generally don't. Nothing is ever a hundred percent generally don't just sit the rookie down, especially with any form of cap draft capital, right? Seventh round pick is different than top two, three round pick, but they don't just sit him down and say, yeah, we're going to play this journeyman street free agent over you who also stinks because you stink. They're just going to say, rookie, go out there, go out. They're all, they're incentivized for him to get more playing time and get better. And they're incentivized for their jobs for this guy to be good because they need to be proven that they made the correct decision drafting this guy. And so then you have all the other factors, right? Natural attrition around other players. If you get lucky that he's healthy, his teammates may not be, you drive more volume. That's somewhat what happened to Amon Ra. Now he was, you got all kinds of lucky with him. He's a stud and everybody else got hurt or, or traded, but that's the fucking point. That's the whole point is when I get, how, how easy is it for me to get lucky, right? How many paths do I have to getting lucky? And then when I get lucky, what does that look like? And the rookies, 
they, they might both, right? Alec Pierce and Jonathan Mingo may, or Josh Downs may both the, the, if they get lucky, what does it look like? Maybe similar, but the amount of chances they have, you have to get lucky with them are drastically different. And I don't think we ever, like I didn't, but I don't think the market takes that into account to, to your point about the rookies. Yeah. I think you, now am I talking about Quentin Johnston and Jordan Addison and Jack Smith, Jigman? Not really. That's not really what I mean. I mean, I'm certainly down to. I took a ton of Jackson Smith and Jigba. Please, God. I didn't take please. a ton of. <laughs> just one. Yeah. Please, just one. God. Yeah, please. I will. I, will I advanced a bunch of him too. So me too. He's be... on like every goddamn team. <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. Hey, it's the Eagles pass funnel. That'd be fun. Please, please, God. Gino's um, back. Gino, yeah, let's go. Uh, wow, I'm kind of into this now. Thank, thank God I drafted him. Talking um, ourselves into another three for 41. <laughs> woo! I'll take it. Honestly, I'll take it. Give it to. I'll sign up. Where do I sign? Um, Quentin Johnston. You know, I didn't take that much of, but it's mostly because I was like, got to take Bateman here, uh, so that didn't help. But um, but like those guys, I think are sort of a different conversation, and and I think maybe kind of an interesting one in its own right. But I'm talking about more like the very end of the draft where um, or at least the double digits kind of in the Jonathan Mingo because Mingo never got expensive. I thought maybe he would, but he never did. He was always kind of in that kind of 12th round range where the opportunity cost was is definitely like a lot lower than in the eighth round. Um, but, you know, like your Josh Downs is your Puka Nakua's, um, your Tank Dells, like those are some of the biggest hits uh, that we have. Right, especially Dell and and Puka. I mean, those were some of the best picks you could have made in the in the entire draft, and they're both like moderate draft capital wide receivers with you know landing on depth charts that were fairly uncertain, with um, you know coaching staffs that probably for different reasons, but probably like want to see like what they've got in these guys. Like, yeah, you know, McBay's. They're kind of like in a little bit of a reset year. They probably want to see what this you know, fourth, fifth round pick has. Um, and, you know, the totally new coaching staff with the Texans. So it's like it just – it made sense for them to be checking out the rookies. We got good reports about these guys early on that they were going to get playing time. And so, like, yeah, those guys turned out to be, like, elite wide receivers, like, right away, which is awesome. But even if they weren't, like, we would probably be seeing them on the field right now. You know, like – Tutu Atwell just suffered a concussion. There's a world where Puka Nakua like kind of sucks and had a really good game last week and is yeah. set up for a good game this week because Demarcus Robinson just got like 10 targets. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Like that's there's a world where like bad Nakua um where we're actually you're psyched to have him still on an advancing team and you know, I think you know, obviously Dell, you know, bad Dell is maybe, you know, didn't play enough to, to get hurt and is now going out there. Of course, he's with Davis Mills. So so you're 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 shit out of luck with Bad Dell. Sorry about that. But uh but I think it can I think it can work in in a couple different ways, as you said. And we're because here's the other thing, right? What's this week gonna be for people? Pain. You're gonna lose, you're gonna go from like you had you advanced, um, you had an awesome year, okay? You advanced 35 teams. Um, if you get two through, like that's that's like, expectation. That's ex- that's expectation. Thirty-two teams. So yeah, I should have just done thirty-two. But simple math. 
but it's one out of 16. So if you get two through, you hit expectations. So 30, 30 of your 32 teams get wiped out in one week. And congratulations, that was what was supposed to happen. You didn't, you didn't have a bad week. You're so lucky you didn't have a bad week. Great. You know, or you have an amazing week. Amazing week. You get three in. That's still kind of sucks. So you're gonna that's what's gonna happen. And then then the following week, you're just like praying that one of your like, I mean, if you crush it, it might be like six, you know, six teams. You're praying that one of your six teams finishes first out of 16, which isn't likely, right? That's yeah, you're you know, a huge dog. You're, huge dog. You're not gonna even most likely you won't even have a coin flip chance to advance a team to the final when you're looking at your week 16 in best ball in best ball mania I'm talking about. You yeah. like because you would need eight teams. Are you gonna have eight semifinal teams? You're not. Maybe maybe like one person listening to this will, but like right. you're not. God That's, knows I won't. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I won't either. It's it's not how the the advance the advance rates work. So you know, I think the I mean that's sort of the other part of it is like we still don't like even know how to like assess who matters yet. Cause like what people do in these next couple of weeks is gonna be so impactful. And so just like the slight boosting of the chances that the guy is playing now versus he played earlier and wasn't very good and they kind of changed up the depth chart which you're more likely to see with veterans, I think it's just like way more important than I even like, and I've wrote about how important rookies are and stuff. I've been, you know, in on the, but I think it's like, just even, I think it's more important than I even realized. Like as I'm sitting here this week, it's like, man, just give me. And like, does that mean I would have more Dell on my teams? Like I would, yeah, I wish I had more Dell on my teams. I'd feel like I was sharper. <laughs> it wouldn't have worked, but you know, what you said- I think that's the way to play it. All, all it brought me to, I was literally going to say, I was going to use this 1v1, this this comparison, because uh, as someone who uh, shat on Adam Thielen all, all summer, which of course you can relate, we, we, we did it plenty, and he dunked on us for whatever, six weeks, four weeks uh, to start the season, still get people commenting on current YouTube videos being like, you donkey. Like, how could you think that Adam Thielen wasn't the wide receiver one for the Panthers and wasn't way too cheap, blah, 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 blah. And then you'll get when you push back and you say, well, he had the absolute ceiling outcome to start the season and is still somehow proving the point of what we were saying with not drafting him. Because now you flip over the cards and you have a bunch of Adam Thielen teams. You're not even excited. You don't even care about having him on teams because he's not a difference maker. He projects like shit and the offense stinks and, and all, all the above versus, uh, or actually, you know, people, the, the pushback, which I understand people will say, yeah, but he helped me get more teams through. And I will say fair, totally fair. You know who else did tank Dell to your point tank Dell did the same and a lot more than what Adam Thielen did to help you push te- teams through. He has had more usable weeks, just as many spike weeks as Adam Thielen has. He, the only reason you're not, if you had advanced Tank Dell to the playoffs and he had not gotten hurt, 
you would be foaming at the mouth excited about having Tank Delft in the 17th round or whatever on best ball teams and compare having Tank Dell right now, a healthy Tank Dell, again, assume CJ Stroud, right? Whatever. But if shit, even with, I would still, with Davis Mills, I think I'd rather have Tank Dell than Adam Thielen. But would you rather have Adam Thielen helped you push teams through and so did Tank Dell? One of them had a chance to be an absolute smash league winner late round pick in the playoffs. The other one has turned out to be stone dust. And now I say this and maybe he'll have a good game. This maybe week he'll go even. off now. Yeah. But point being like, go look at the projections. It's not me. I'm not making them up. I don't, cre- I, I don't create our projections. The uh, a tank Dell would project better this week. Well, Puka, I mean, I'm so annoyed that I don't have a big bag of Puka because right, Puka. he's, he's one of the clear guys here. And I mean, he, um, I mean, yeah, he's, he projects awesome. Like he's, it's like they're like I was like God. I don't. Top I mean, I guess I think 15. Cooper Cup's slightly better, but you know, it's not. It's like he's actually has the stronger season long profile and not playing through an injury. So, you know, at Puka Nakua, one of the again, God, I wish I drafted more Puka Nakua <laughs> because he actually feels like a guy that could straight up like lock people out. Like yes. you might have to have Puka Nakua. Which is kind of crazy in as chaotic as a season as this has been, that there's a player that like feels like pretty live to just be like you had to have him. Kyron would maybe be another guy, um, but yeah, one of those two ramps, maybe both. Like they could against they the could commanders. Just like, yeah, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like you know to get you to get you through, like you might kind of like need a ram you know, one of these late round Rams to have like a, a strong chance of advancing. Obviously people will, will advance uh, without them, even if they're the quote guy you need. But the thing is like the, you know, there's such good actual real life players that like they could pretty easily be the guy you need in week 17. So like I never sweated that hard. The Adam Thielen thing. It was kind of like, like, sorry, you know, sorry, everyone. Like, you don't I have any bad. deal in my bad. I didn't feel bad about my own teams. I felt bad that other people were feeling the stress because they made me too. Yeah, because I because like I pushed people off Adam Thielen, but Puka's the guy who's just been like I've been terrified of. I mean, to be able to get that in the in the late rounds, um, the very last rounds, you know, and have him hit the ground running, but then you know, as a rookie, like he's it's it, it's funny, like he's still following the traditional rookie trajectory. It's just like, it's just so juiced compared to what we normally are used to. Like he's, he's getting better. Like he's in house seems like maybe he could be, you know, uh, I know like cup had the touchdown last week, but like, man, the profile looks amazing for Puka right now. And there was that early season period when cup came back where like, it was like, okay, he's the clear number two to cup. And like, I don't really feel that way. They're kind of like no. co-number ones. Agreed. And that's, I think that's your like late season boost effect that's happening. Puka's still benefiting from that. So like your hits at the rookies are magnified and we're always going to be price conscious. And, and my guess is that a lot of these rookies do get priced up a bit more and you will land on landmines with your Cedric Tillmans and stuff. But um, there's, I think a lot, and I don't know, maybe it's an NFL thing where like teams know their rookies can contribute sooner. So they're like seeing what they have in guys sooner. But um, I just I just was not high enough on rookies. And I feel like I was really high on rookies. 
<laughs> yeah, right. Uh, just a, a thought I've had on, I have lots of uh, generally terrible, but uh, I, I think about football a lot, even though we talk about, you know, best ball and the fantasy side of it uh, uh, for a living. I think about all the silly uh, uh, little nuances of, of the NFL. I feel like the point on rookies and I, I've thought about it more with uh, rookie tight ends uh, necessarily oh, yeah. more I mean, than, than, than um, the rookie wide receivers, but it's kind of the same, same concept that you can apply to, to uh, multiple guys, multiple positions, but like the game of football. So like, you remember back in the day, uh, like John Gruden would be on, you know, football life or whatever, some stupid ESPN show. And they would like, like be proud of the fact that you had to say like 47 words to call a play, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And like, so like, I went to a small division three school, but we ran, uh, you know, spread kind of air raid ish, but a very, very vertical offense. Our plays were like two words, literally uh, formation play. It was play concepts. Uh, and that's kind of what the air raid is uh, concepts, as opposed to like, you don't have to plays back in the Gruden days. You had to tell the offensive line, sometimes right. multiple different offensive linemen, what to do. You had to tell each position, had a had a you know a, a word or multiple words that told them what to do. You had checks in there, you had motions in there, you had shifts in there, you had all that kind of stuff. Now, like I bet you if you listen to a Mike McDaniel call, I don't know this for sure, so I could be totally wrong. But is like, you know, that they have motions and shifts. Of course, you watch them. I mean, Jesus Christ, looks like a circus out there, the way the dolphins move around, which is awesome. But they have a couple of different they don't run that many different plays. The dolphins don't. Um, and so they have a play concept. You just run it out of different formations with different shifts, but you have concepts, right? Everybody knows what it, uh, a handful of different concepts are. And these kids run them in college. They run them in high school. And so you come out there and like, dude, do you know how to run mesh? Like, yes, I ran it since I was in seventh grade. You know what I mean? Like everybody knows how to do that. You know how to read the defense. You know how to do all that stuff. There's it's more difficult at the NFL level, obviously, but I, I feel like the game has changed a little bit and, this isn't, of course, you know, an in hand in the dirt NFL uh, podcast or anything, but those little things do matter. Like, why are why are all the rookie tight ends smashing this year? Of course, it's because they're good. But that rookie tight end narrative had to do with how hard it was to come into the NFL and play tight end because of how complex NFL offenses were and how you had to learn all these crazy blocking schemes and you had to learn all, all these crazy like it was hard for these guys to come in and learn. They had to learn how to be an offensive tackle and a wide receiver in really complex offenses. Now they barely have to learn how to block. Dalton Kincaid doesn't fucking block anybody. They barely have to learn how to block. And it's like, do you know how to run like the most eight, you know, normal, normally used passing concepts that every football team on the planet uses? Yeah. And so, but does, why does that matter to us as best ball drafters? The whole rookie thing and young player thing, like you're you're talking about, like they can come in and contribute right away because the game of football has changed a little bit. Yeah, I think I think so. I also think this this tight end class is just really awesome. Good. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. And you also have kind of the the Trey McBride, you know, coming on, uh, and he was a he was a strong prospect last year. He was. I love Dulcich in that class, but I ultimately have Trey McBride just ahead of him in my dynasty stuff, just because of like the the prospect profile was a little stronger with his draft capital and everything. He's and looked so like, good, dude. He's, he's so good. So good. He looked like a huge bust. Um, but yeah, then, then all of a sudden, like he could not draw targets to save his life at the end of last <laughs> year. But 
Um, week 17, he had a good week. He, uh, him and Likely, right? I think, or Likely might have been week 18. But McBride had one decent game his whole rookie season, and it was week, week 17. Yeah. Yeah, that well, right, because he proved the uh, Algier-Ertz corollary yes. correct, but it was just <laughs> yeah. the wrong tight end. That's, that's such a funny little note from 2022. Oh, God, what a stupid yeah. game. I know. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that the rookie tight end one, um, now I don't know. I know we've got an elite tight end in this class. I don't know that much about the rest of the tight end class. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that was clearly one of the edges this year. I think one that I was on, fortunately. I mean, I have a bunch of Laporta. I have mm-hmm. a bunch of Mayer which looked mm. bad and then it looked fine. And now it looks kind of good. Pretty so, good last night. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy with that. Um, and I think maybe, you know, these rookie tight ends are another way to, to just underline the point of like, these guys are more likely to play at the very end of the season. We hadn't seen as much of, um, of like a production increase. I remember Sam Sherman and I were, were talking about this because he was more Musgrave than mayor. And I was mayor over Musgrave. Which, which looks strongly towards his side. And I would say probably you'd rather go back and take Musgrave over Mayer, I think, without – although Mayer looks pretty good. I think Mayer's better. I think Mayer's yeah. better. But just – I want to actually ask ask you about that because there's a, a smidge of, of nuance in there. Sometimes we get very specific situations like the Packers. A, I think Mayer – if you're in dynasty, like go subscribe to Pat. He'll, he'll guide you in the dynasty space more than I will. But like, I would be buying every possible Michael Mayer stock that I could buy in, in, in dynasty. I would, he's, I think he's just very good, but, and not as expensive as Laporta and, and co. Um, But with Musgrave, part of my concern was a. I don't think he was as good of a prospect as as the the mayors Me and, and and everything. But uh, like to our point, like I didn't think Mingo was a good prospect, but we discussed all that nuance. Something that is hard for me to wrap my head around is when it's so the Packers took Luke Musgrave in the second round and Tucker Craft in the third round. I kind of liked Tucker Craft more <laughs> than I, I kind of did Mus- too. Yeah, than Luke Musgrave. I didn't before the I, draft. I did once the draft capital came in. I liked Musgrave better, but I didn't and, wasn't yeah. That. And yeah. so I took more Musgrave. I didn't really take Kraft at all once the results came in, right? And then especially we got information that he was the starter in camp and preseason and everything. But I, I it didn't I didn't feel I never felt comfortable. And part of it I always thought was because I didn't love Luke Musgrave as a as a college player. But also I think it was in the back of my mind like they but they also took this third round guy who What's the di- like? Is there even a difference? I liked Kraft better, but even if I'm wrong about that, the difference was so minuscule that it's hard to hone in on him. As com- you know, compare that to Michael Mayer, who's competing with Austin Hooper, right? Or Sam Laporta, who's competing with Brock Wright, <laughs> or, or whatever. Like it's it's just it's hard to get to as as much Musgrave, and it wasn't really that much to do with Musgrave. But it was to do with this weird nuance of his teammate. Yeah, and Musgrave is one that I do feel like I missed on. Like I was probably overly cautious with Musgrave because it got we got the information, and that's like, you know, fading this type of scenario can really hurt. I mean, it's similar to the Puka scenario where it's like we got the information that they like him. Yep. You know, you know, maybe didn't love him as a prospect, but he's going to be playing. He clearly was the starter. He was clearly ahead of Kraft. I don't think Kraft ever would have passed him. He gets hurt, so I was too cautious on Musgrave. I definitely should have had more of him. Um, I know Hayden Winks was was talking him up 
mm-hmm. think in like June, like he was like really pound on the table. That was like before I was like comfortable enough. And I'm okay with that. But I do think once I got comfortable, I should have been more aggressive. So that's that's where I feel kind of bad with the Musgrave thing. We did get, luckily, helps to draft co-managers. Um, Pete and Ben got me on Musgrave on a team over over Mayer in in FFPC where, you know, Mayer was pretty useless in FFPC unless you picked yeah. him up in the last couple of weeks off waivers. So, you know, I think I didn't play the Musgrave situation correctly, but I also don't mind betting on Michael Mayer to pass Austin Hooper by the end of the year. In fact, I want to do that again. You know, like I, so it's, it's more like I probably should have spread out those exposures a little bit more. I kind of hammered Mayer and was too light Musgrave, but yeah, Mayer's I think a really, really good example of like, this dude was an, a college offense. Like he was, you know, like they, they ran a passing game through this guy. Multiple years. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I remember telling Sean, I was like, I mean, at this point, like this doesn't even sound hyperbolic, but I was like, "What's the difference?" It's like if Mayer's athletic, what what's the difference between him and Kyle Pitts? His prospects, agreed. Mm-hmm. Like he was super productive, early to Claire, right? He he wasn't going to have the high end high end draft capital, but you know, it was pretty clear he if if athletic, he would have been like a mid first round pick. Unathletic, he was a early second round pick. <laughs> you know, I also think there's there's sort of a tight end athleticism narrative that's like completely lost the thread. Yes, we want these guys to be athletic, but Zach Ertz, Mark Andrews, they're like have the almost identical RAS profiles to um, Michael Mayer. There's something to be said for being sufficiently athletic. We would prefer that the guys be hyper athletes like Laporta, but it's not required. Um, And then you're getting to bet on a guy to pass Austin Hooper. And it's like anytime that you can trade week one, projection for for week you know 15 16 17 chance of of you know clear runway you do it and it can be hard to do because it's like do i am i actually getting that but like second round draft capital you know and if this felt dead this felt dead by like week three or four it's like oh Stone shit, dead. Yeah. Burned <laughs> pick. i burned i burned so many late round tight end dart throws on this guy but it's like no like it just takes a while and this is how it happens you know, the team, it's a team like the Raiders, like some, some things happen. It gets a little weird. They fire their coach, they check out some new guys, they stomp on the chargers. And finally this guy, you know, he, he gets in the end zone for you. So, I mean, not that mayor's like this big, like victory lap take, but I do think he helps. And again, I probably took too much mayor, not enough Musgrave, but I think he helps like just as a, as a larger rookie thing of like this guy with draft capital, Solid prospect profile. Good, actually, more than solid. Very good prospect profile. Uh, very minimal competition ahead of him. You know, you, you, we make these bets, and it's like, if if Mayer advances a team this week that wouldn't have otherwise advanced, worth it. That could that could be a three million dollar touchdown mm-hmm. that he scored week fifteen. Like yep. that touchdown is worth a lot more than you know a lot a lot of the scoring in season because the the odds that like any given week of Adam Thielen actually advanced you is probably lower than the odds, you know, that if Michael Mayer advances you this week, you know, that that's a bigger boost most 100%. likely. Uh a hundred percent. It it does um uh, slightly con- contradict what we were talking about with the rookies versus second years, but Trey McBride it's a very similar thing to me. 
to Michael Mayer. One has Austin Hooper in front of him. One has Zach Ertz in, in front of him. Both right. are extremely, extremely good prospects. Trey McBride, obviously, in his, his second season, but was similar. I uh, actually had a, a apparently a, a tweet from two two years ago on on Trey McBride. That, uh, so for people that don't know, like you mentioned Michael Mayer was just – he was a college offense. So was Trey McBride. He just happened to do it at Colorado State versus Notre right. Dame, so it doesn't get quite the same level of, of kind of hype. But they they threw for like 2,300 yards or, or so, Colorado State did, Trey McBride's last year. He had 1,100 of them. <laughs> He's a fucking tight end, and he had 50% of their, ba- of their passing offense. He might have 50% uh, of their passing yards this week. I mean, the, Yeah, yes, <laughs> correct. Uh, he's, yeah, he's, he actually did do that, I think, once uh, with the – uh, uh cardinal so far but yeah just like absolute dominant say whatever you want about uh pff grades and all that if, if if you care but if you look at pff grades he had the same receiving grade as cal pitts did um in in college so he was like he did, obviously is not the athlete that cal pitts is although he's he's a pretty good he's a pretty good athlete trey mcbride is he reminds me of a little bit of the young travis kelsey not quite as much shiftiness, but he he has some juice in the open field. Um, they've thrown him some jump balls occasionally, and like they get him the ball on the run. I don't know. I'm a little bit probably too much of a bull on Trey McBride, but he's another guy like similar to Mayer that he's really good. Yeah, I think they're really really good, and just like all these tight ends are such different makers, difference makers. The the rookies in particular are like guys that I really really want. Like when I scroll my teams, like if I have a Laporta McBride team, I'm like. You know, I yes. I gotta I gotta I gotta I gotta go take a cold shower or something. You know, if I got those guys on a on a team because it's like that, but that's so powerful at this point in in, in time, right? Even Mayer, as you said, getting a a touchdown, double digit fantasy points, like from a last round pick at tight end, like it's there's a good chance no tight end separates. And so if I just get the the score close enough to what everybody else has with my last round pick, and uh, yeah, just give me give me that on every single team. I, I'll I'll take it. I want to talk about um, uh, one thing that uh, I've asked a bunch of the folks in our discord. I asked Rob the other night um, that I think is really interesting at this, this time of year, it's easy to pinpoint the guys we're most excited about heading into um, the, the best ball playoffs. Cause it's the guys who have smashed, right? It's all the guys who like, for me, I'm just sweating out Kyron, <laughs> Kyron and Howell. Yep. Like lead me to the promised land. That's what I keep saying. That's my Super Bowl. Uh, like no one else is going to have that on you know the big screen <laughs> in their homes. Like they me, might. I mean, it's good fun DFS game, dude. Me, Sam Howell's parents, and Kyron's parents are going to be the ones watching that <laughs> game. You know, and nobody else g- gives a shit except me because that's my, that's that's it for me. That game will make or break uh, my week. But like everybody's like, yeah. I mean, people have been playing Sam Howell and TFS, and obviously Kyron is Kyron's almost eight K on DraftKings. I think people know that he's pretty good in fantasy now is there anybody that you drafted it, it, it could have been mayor last night but that you drafted over some or i guess technically didn't draft but maybe you have on teams that you're looking at and you're like they haven't been awesome they have it, it you know they were certainly not the reason i got here to the to the best ball playoffs but when i scroll and i see them i'm like okay like I, i'll go to i'll go to war with you right you mentioned mingo before where it's just like Am I projecting Mingo for a big game? No, Mingo, by the way, was DFS chalk a couple of weeks ago. So I like to use right. the DFS stuff to be like, okay, there's something going on here that we should be excited about if people are playing them in DFS. But is there anybody that kind of stands out to you from that lens? Uh, 
not no one's jumping to mind of like yeah like non-chalk right the 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 tournament play in dfs mindset not the not the stone chalk but some i mean i don't hate that i have a bunch of marvin mims still you know the guys he's out there running the lions routes now against the the, the, the lions yeah. are handing out points like candy on defense in the dome yeah so i mean that's that doesn't bother me um that's going to be your Taekwon, isn't it? You're going to get like four teams to the finals despite an average advantage because Marvin Mims is going to have uh, uh, some big game. How sick would it be if uh, if Davis Mills powers Robert Woods and the, and the take actually pays off? <laughs> Not sick. Not sick at all. No, please, no. We're going to shut this down. Legendary down. sickos, baby. Robert Woods. <laughs> One time, he's got to be a, the he's one of the faces of the show. If you made a if you made a thumbnail of players from the summer that we talked about, Robert Woods is way too high on the list. By the way, figure out what what my Robert Woods take is uh, next year, like, and then just draft every single other wide receiver. Other seriously, other you found that guy? you you found all of the league winners, and it was just the teammates of the guy that you liked. I mean, I did the first. I think it was the first article that I wrote for Legendary Upside was about Nico Collins. So we're 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 getting. Oh, I, I'm shit. claiming Nico a little. Uh, I I wasn't out on Dell, but yeah, obviously could have hammered the other guys quite a bit more. Although, hey, like I said, these weeks matter more than the other six. Let's Literally goes against everything we just talked about for, I know. for over and over. It wasn't a good pick at all. It's a terrible pick. But hey, man, if he gets me there, I'll take it. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> that is good. Um, all right. I'm going to throw out. We'll see. Uh, I'll see if it'll spur some uh, some thoughts. This is a little bit cheating because it's injury. I, I don't I don't want to do it all because of of injuries. Um, but uh, I put out a tweet from from Spike Week. If you recall last year in week 15, just a crazy freaking week, man, in week 15 last year, where it was like all late rounders that propelled people to into into week 16. The wide receiver one was Zay Jones in week 15, and the, the wide receiver two was KJ Osborne in, in week 15. Oh, right. The running back one overall in week 15 of last year is actually a guy who I like again this week, Jarek McKinnon. Um, and it's a couple of different things. Obviously, Isaiah Pacheco just got ruled out today so that's like driving most of it but if anybody watched the chiefs game last week the ceh experiment was predictably an absolute disaster he is horrible every time they gave him a touch it was like a massively negative play for the chiefs and they are now down in the shit like they got to win some football games they are like people uh, like with Tyreek, I'm still somewhat bullish that Tyreek plays because I, th- I don't think people understand that the Dolphins are in like a little bit sketchy territory, not necessarily to make the playoffs, the Chiefs or the Dolphins, but like things could get ugly here. Like they could we're talking about like definitely road games in the playoffs. Who knows what happens? Both of those teams could be the ones letting the Bills in. I don't think either of them want the Bills to be in the playoffs and they might be the ones letting them in. The Dolphins might be letting the Bills win the division if the Bills beat the Cowboys. But I, long story short being the Chiefs, I think it's 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 time it's go time. Like it, it, we can't be messing around anymore. And last year and historically when it was go time, they went to Jarek McKinnon and they've saved him all year. You might as well unleash him. And I just feel one of those, you know, 
three touchdown Jarek McKinnon games that we just did not see coming. He was completely useless all season. And if you were able to sneak him through, I know it's the Patriots and maybe they won't push back that much. So it, it doesn't count, but like if Pacheco were to miss again next week, I, I would feel the same way that I think the chiefs it's, it's go time. They need to win. Let's put it on Mahomes. And if you're going to put it on Mahomes, I think that means more McKinnon than it means CEH. So like if I have him on a team, I'm, I'm not too upset about it. I like that one. I'll, I'll, uh, you know, the Robert Woods ones is, uh, you know, 99.9% a joke, but, um, the, I'll, I'll pump my bags, my, my good part of my bags. And cause I think the three guys, none of these guys like powered you there, but I think I'm happy to see, I actually am happy to see JSN when I flip over, mm-hmm. you know, he's looked a lot better the last couple of weeks. He's in a really, uh, good spot this week. You know, the, with Gino back, we should be. We're getting Gino back, right? Yeah, he practiced. Yeah, yesterday. Okay. <clears throat> so, yeah, I think that's pretty sweet. Um, and you know, he could definitely be one of these guys who has has, has a big spike week. And it's like, this is why we drafted him. So I also feel, you know, like the thesis of the play basically with is kind of this idea that he would matter more now than he did before. And he does. And I was able to advance him. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of psyched to see him, uh, even though he hasn't been great so far. Um, I'm psyched that I have Brees teams. The dude's getting like 20% of targets now. Uh, <laughs> that not always this carries are coming down, but they're feeding him even more targets. Uh, and so I'm, they can't run block for shit. He gets hit in the backfield every play. I know it's awful, but, um, and then Jalen Warren, just to finish, uh, just pumping the highest guys that I drafted all, all summer. I mean, I'm, I'm psyched to still have Jalen Warren. It's ne- it hasn't quite hit yet, but the guy is like immensely talented. He's number one. Um, a chain's actually number one if you if you basically just like put empty carries on A chain because he doesn't meet the the minimum on NFL Next Gen stats anymore. But if you just like calculate it yourself, he's like yeah. number one by a mile still. Even if you yeah, even if you gave him a bunch of useless carries, he's still that's, yeah. that's he's still open. But yeah, so but Warren's Warren's basically he'll show up in the list as number one, but he's really number two. Um in rush yards over expected per attempt. I mean he's been like one of the most efficient runners in the entire NFL. Um he's an awesome receiver. And so bet on talent bet on uh, the Colts letting up points on the ground, which they have. So I'm uh, I'm still psyched to see those guys. Like those are all kind of like later season bets and they kind of, two of them overperformed expectations a little bit. Jack Smith and Jim got underperformed expectations, but this is like, this is the point of having them. So I, I'm happy that, you know, those, there were, you know, three of the biggest pieces of my portfolio and I feel good about having them as, as you know, big pieces of my advancing portfolio too. I I <clears throat> totally agree on all those. I'm going to throw out uh, just a couple more. I don't have to elaborate quite as much as uh, as McKinnon. This is definitely uh, the big pieces of my portfolio. But I'm excited about for this week in per- in particular, all the commanders. Um, yeah, that they've been they've been the. B Rob has been the best skill player to have drafted all season. And frankly, uh, Curtis Samuel, 50 50 between B Rob and Curtis Samuel have been the best skill guys. I think B Rob was, was a little bit better. Yeah. Um, def- definitely was a little bit better, but like I, I got some Curtis Samuel teams that, you know, he certainly helped. He certainly helped me. Yeah. Uh, no, he's been get, good. Get to where I'm going. And obviously, but that was at the expense 
of Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson, but I know it's, it's, it's cope. It's I, I'll fully admit it's, it's slight copium because I have tons of, of those guys in particular Dotson, but I, I think we've seen the ceiling though, that exists for some of those guys and the volume is not going anywhere. <laughs> like they have no, no especially Brian Robinson is out this week. They have no ability to beat somebody by running the football. Now they don't really have an ability to beat teams <laughs> no matter, Here's no matter problem. what. Yeah. <laughs> but the only way, right. The defense is so bad and they can't run. So they just have to put it all on Sam Howell's shoulders and, and they're willing to, and, and they're absolutely willing to. And I think that this week in particular, you're going to get something from someone is, is, is my guess expectation. Do I have any idea if it's McLaurin or Dotson or, Samuel or Gibson or Logan Thomas or Cole Turner, please post post by a uh, second year bump. Please, God, stop playing Logan Thomas. You're fucking four and eight. The season is over. Give it up with this dust ball, Logan Thomas, for my best. You don't even have to play Hal if you don't want to. Just let's see what we got in Brissette. Okay. You know? okay. 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 Next. <laughs> I'm, I'm not counting on any points from Sam Howell in 16 <laughs> and 17 because he plays uh, Jets and, uh, and 49ers. Just let me have oh, this. Oh, God. One, no, no you, yeah. you're, you've earned this one. The Howell one, that was one of our biggest debates, which you won handily. Um, and I played it the worst way by actually taking McLaren and Dodson <laughs> and not always stacking Howell. Because I was like, oh, if he gets benched, I'm okay because I, you know, I, I don't have Howell and I've got the receivers and Brissett's good. So I'll be okay either way. But um, think, no, I won't because they suck and Howell was the way to play it. Yeah, I, I think that that was pretty fluky. I don't, I, I don't. So I'm curious on your take on that one, actually, because we had obviously lots of conversations and we agreed on plenty of things, but we also disagreed on plenty of things. And like I said, sometimes one of us ended up right and the other on something else. But on the Howell thing, I actually don't think like your thought process was necessarily wrong. And whether or not your process about, you know, Jacoby Brissett being there was right or wrong not drafting Howell, but drafting him through those wide receivers, I actually think was totally fine. But do you have like a, have you like analyzed that and thought differently about the whole kind of way you got to your Howell take or, or um, just curious what, you know, we haven't talked, this is the first that we haven't talked about that since the summer. No, I, I don't have that much of a, like, ah, man, I really blew it not drafting Howell feeling and maybe it's just like you know i maybe i just haven't fully come around to him overperforming expectations but the thing is like he kind of hasn't overperformed expectations that much like he's he's not good you know he's he's not bad but he's not good and i think he's he's one of these guys who's going to stick around probably they'll probably bring him back as a starter next year mm-hmm. but he's going to wash out we're going to like forget that he ever existed. Like he's kind of like at that, like kind of middling. I mean, like in the EPA per game chart that I have in, in the walkthrough every week, like he is like smack dab in the middle of he's, he's right next to like Gardner Minshew, you know, it's kind of like a worse version of Baker Mayfield. That's not a bad comp. Yeah. I I think he's in that ballpark of quarterback. I think he has a smidge more upside than a Gardner Minshew, but like Baker did too. So I think like, yeah, uh, 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 he could have a very similar career trajectory to to Baker, where he's constantly going to stick around. If he lands in the right spot, I think he could stick at that spot. But he's not, you know, he's not Mahomes, you know, Hurts, whatever. I think he's in that Minshew Baker category. I think that makes a lot of sense. 
Yeah, I, I do too. And then, and you're always going to have job security issues with those guys. And I'm just like, I don't want to. Now, this was a this was a year where having Howell was actually very powerful. And so this was kind of like, you know, I feel like this was kind of an amazing run out for Howell. Um, and I definitely, what I would say I underestimated was how much Eric Bieniemy would pass, which was somewhat predictable. So that one, I'm like, ah, I should have probably just drafted a little more Howell because, you know, he's like Ritter, you know, he's probably like, he's probably better than Ritter and they're going to pass a lot more. So mm -hmm. right there, you just, you know, if you're open to taking Ritter at all, which I wasn't that open to, but I would kind of mix in, you know, I was like taking some Mac Jones who actually did get benched, which is the hilarious. <laughs> um, so like you're taking Mac Jones, who's like definitely going to get benched for Zappy. So just take some more Howell. So I should have done that. Um, so I, I definitely think like I would, should have been more open to taking Howell in comparison to some of these other quarterbacks. Cause like the funny thing is Rivera did survive the year. And I was like, they're firing Rivera. They're firing. I can't guys. believe. Yeah. I can't believe that. Yeah, so that's that situation. It's kind of the enemy of it all, I think, is what I probably missed the most. It's like this dude's gonna chuck it. He's a he's a good coach. Like he's like the, the team will actually be like somewhat successful, um, or at least that this outcome is is plausible. And so mix in a little bit more Howell. Now I did I did actually advance a Howell BBM team, so maybe I take this whole thing down with Howell and see you and, in the uh, finals, like, baby. Yeah, yeah, but. uh but yeah, I think that part of it, the B enemy part and like the Howell being okay might be enough because of B enemy um, part of it. I, I underestimated, I think. I do also think that like there are seasons where like this outcome for Howell doesn't really move the needle for anyone. For sure. There are seasons where Kirk Cousins stays healthy and Aaron Rodgers stays healthy. Richardson stays healthy and CJ Stroud isn't out with a concussion this week. You know, like there's, <laughs> yeah. you know, like having Howell is going to mean a lot to a lot of teams. Um, and that's also like kind of fluky, but yeah, Howell's definitely a miss for me. I in general want to still remain conscious of like bench risk at quarterback. And I think I'm probably, that's probably going to be an edge for me compared to the field who will, who mm -hmm. will play it a little bit too similarly to season long. And so I don't want to lose sight of that, but I definitely discounted Howell more than I discounted like Mac Jones and uh, you know, serves me right. Cause Mac Jones got benched. I do. I, we're we're going to need to make a poster and put that on the wall or something like that. I drafted Mac Jones and thought Sam Howell would get benched, but um, <laughs> I, I, uh, it is, it is justice. I got so many things wrong. Sam Howell's going to get benched. You got to take the safe guy, Mac Jones. <laughs> got to take Mac Jones. <laughs> Someone called me out in one of the comments one time and they were right. Did they're they like, really? What? That's a, that. Yeah. They're like, why do you think Mac Jones is going to get benched? He's going to get benched. Too. Like he's probably more likely to get benched. So well, like, the ah. funny thing about Mac Jones is he got benched and got his job back. Then he got benched and got his job back. And now it's now finally, it was three strikes and and you're out for old Mac, right. for old Mac Jones. Right. He's the, I'm not saying we don't need to talk about but how it looked benchable at one point. Like I, there was, were you sweating after that bills game? A hundred percent. Howell's, Howell's Valley, you know, the, 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 the ups are pretty good with Howell. Like it happens with young semi-talents, like the Baker example is a, is a, is a good one. The good is pretty good for him. He has a strong arm. He can make a lot of throws. He makes some bad decisions. He hangs in there like too much, he, he, but he hangs too, in. He will, 
I like, can't believe dude, you want to talk about all the injuries. Like we talked about the Tua thing. The dude, it was on pace. They're not going to get there, but was on pace to break the all-time sacked record that David Carr had. Uh, if you remember from the the Texans years, he was like they were on pace to shatter that in like week eight. And and he runs, and he also doesn't know how to fucking slide. The guy has taken more hits than anybody on the planet this season, and he has not gotten hurt. And all these other guys have gotten hurt. So. I mean, it, he got knocked out of one game and came back. And I, I, dude, sweating Howell games is one of the most intense sweats ever. <laughs> like, a they crater out on offense sometimes so bad that it's like disgusting to watch. Right, like the Bills game, <laughs> they were so bad. They only th- only threw it twenty nine times in that game because I think they got like four first downs the whole. Okay. Like could not move the ball. He got sacked like 12 times in the Bills game. And I wish that were an, ex- an exaggeration, but it was double digits. Um, but like the 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 lows are so low. And like you like you said, like early in the season, I'm like, oh no. Oh no, Pat's gonna be right. I'm gonna we're gonna have to cancel the show because I don't want to have to hear about, <laughs> about Jacoby Brissett. And Pat was and Pat was right. But uh, but the highs are are pretty good, actually. Like he's a good runner. He's a he's a good runner, like you said. He's tough. He's got that, a good arm. Is, he's got a great arm. He can make a lot of throws. He, I think, he's an okay decision maker. Kind of like the Minshew Baker thing. Sometimes they make some really good decisions. Sometimes they make some really bad decisions. So that makes you kind of uh, okay. I, I'm I'm hopeful for him long term. Like not as a franchise quarterback, but I I think he's shown enough that like I mean Jesus, look at some of the quarterbacks we're watching, Tommy DeVito, right. and and he's uh, fun too. Like it, it is nice. I think he's. I think the league's better for for him being in it right now. Okay. I also, dude, could you imagine him like he would have in like a, in like a late nineties, early two thousands, Mike Martz offense, where you just have him dropping back seven step drops, just like chucking it deep, getting crushed by like <laughs> the biggest defenders of the giant shoulder pads, just like getting taken to the turf, like looking up, seeing uh, it's like complete. Like he would have been. We would have loved this guy. You are literally defining my Rams fandom when I was uh, younger. As a, as everybody can probably see, there's nothing but St. Louis shit uh, behind. Well, and Michael Jordan, but St. Louis shit uh, behind me. I was as big of a St. Louis Rams fan as you probably could ever get. I was, I believe, <clears throat> maybe like sophomore year of high school, something like that. One of my buddies and I, we went to like every day of Rams training camp. We would go. Um we started a freaking blog writing about the Rams. Like, yeah, like it, I was that cheesy, lame dude. But like, we were upset. Called? Like, it was at RamsCentral.com. Uh, no longer, <laughs> it obviously, it no longer, it no longer exists. Um, but there might be, I'm, I'm sure people can go find some traces. Is anyone out camping there on, on the, it? On the internet. <laughs> it's not in my GoDaddy. No, account just can't anymore. be reached. No, no yeah. one's claimed it. <laughs> No longer, no longer in my GoDaddy account. There's a lot of useless URLs in there. But anyway, I was, <laughs> I was diehard, like absolutely die. Like, but it was because of the greatest show on turf days. Like you mentioned, Mike Mart's offense, like just made me love football. <clears throat> and all I'm envisioning is the post Kurt Warner era of the Mike Mart's time, yes. the Mark Bolger era. Yes. Mark of, Bolger. Of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Of my, of Mike Mart's. And that's exactly what happened. Seven step drop. 
you don't leave anybody ever in to pass protect, which is kind right. of what the commanders, kind of what the commanders do. Wait, wait for this week. Watch how many times Antonio Gibson goes out and Powell gets crushed in the backfield. Uh, but yeah, Bolger ends up after the play laying on his back. His, you know, his eyes are eyes are like this. And uh, yeah, that but that's that's the Howell experience. It feels very much like that uh, lack of pass protection from the Mike Martz days. Yeah, I mean, he this guy could be like. I mean, I sort of like in the tough guy quarterback mold is 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 kind of what I'm I'm getting at too. Which, yeah, he's playing he's playing in the wrong era. You know, he really is. He would have a zero percent bench risk if this was uh, if he was <laughs> yeah. getting to be the Mark Bulger. <laughs> like no one can, no one hangs in the pocket like Sam Howell. It's like yeah, that's the problem. The problem. Get the ball the out or run, steps. you psychopath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get the ball out. <laughs> Um, anyway, but I but I root, yeah. I'm rooting for the same how I've got I've got my one share. We can all uh, we can all celebrate together. We can all kumbaya. finishes yeah. uh, finishes dunking on me this week. Yeah, no nobody contact me during that game. It starts at four oh five Eastern. I will not be reachable during Rams Commanders. I will not be sitting down and I will not have my phone. I will just be enjoying <laughs> um, my Super Bowl. Uh, I know Pat's got some stuff to do this this afternoon. My dogs are getting antsy. I want to leave the people with some hot takes for the best ball playoffs. If you had to you know, prognosticate about how this thing plays out, we're of course going to be wrong about all of this. I certainly would not have projected the game last night <laughs> to play out and talk about a kickoff to the best ball playoffs. That was very unforeseen with the Raiders laying the smackdown on the chargers. But like, what are some of the things, you know, one, two, three different things that you're you're thinking like you're looking ahead and you're like, I could really see this. You know, it doesn't have to be like, oh, we get to week 17. And I think this guy's going to you know, have the big game in week 17. But like what's going to like shake up, you know, the, the best ball playoffs? What's going to be that thing that uh, comes through and helps people either get there or win the whole thing, whatever. I'll go ahead and I'll say I'm just looking up exactly which week this is going to happen in. I'm going to say that you have to have, in order to win Best Ball Mania 3, you have to have George Kittle. Oh, you are. Uh, that's good. I'm, I'm very, very excited to, to hear you say that. Uh, I'd like to hear wh- why, why do you think that is? Because they get the commanders in week 17 and Kittle goes nuts. And we've talked about, the um we've talked about tight end and how you know tight ends quite a bit deeper there were a number of ways to get there tight end i'm i'm a big proponent of elite tight end um which hasn't really you know you'd rather have not gone elite tight end and gotten some of these guys late and the nice thing about these late round guys is actually they do have ceiling like trey mcbride and sam laporta like they have legitimate ceilings so it's not the the run out for elite tight end that we wanted but George Kittle is having an awesome year. Uh, we've got you know Brock Purdy in the MVP discussion, so the the 49ers maybe maybe putting on the Commanders' absolutely atrocious secondary, total <laughs> lack of a pass rush, and uh, Kittle Kittle leading the way so that it fits my narrative. Um, if he, I mean the if if Kittle, this still remains true. I think if Kittle has one of his Kittle games in the in the fantasy playoffs. Uh, you know, in best ball manias playoffs, like you're going to really, really, really want it. And I think if it happens week 17, like you'll just straight up have to have it. 
I think I think that makes a ton of sense. And I have Kittles. <clears throat> uh, I really don't have. I mean, I have a bunch of Mark Andrews, but in terms of alive elite elite tight ends, Kittle is the one I have the most exposure to. A um, little bit of him being awesome, a little bit of San Francisco being awesome, and a little bit of uh, uh, the rest of the tight ends not being very good at the elite level. But man, 49ers just feel like I- I'm not saying it's similar to like uh, what you said before that like the Rams could be the guy that like you know you have to have, which doesn't actually mean that you can't advance without them, but it means that give a huge leg up on everybody. If you have those guys, I feel that way just about San Francisco in general. Like when I look to mm-hmm. teams, I don't, I don't necessarily care if it's McCaffrey or Kittle or Debo or Ayuk or Purdy or whatever. But like, if I got any of those dudes on there, like I, you just like, it gives you the warm and fuzzies, right. To have any 49er on there because no, ma- like just no matter what happens, it Kyle Shanahan doesn't let off the gas. Like yep. it, it, like everything is just set up so nice. It's so consolidated. They can all get there in the same game. Like not, not like big ceilings, but like this team can hang 40 any week. And all those guys have like at least usable scores. So like the 49ers are easily one of the teams I'm most excited for a little bit of uh, one of my, you know, big stands from the year, but who I'm really excited for because of some of the stuff we outlined before, because I think they're a really good offense and because <clears throat> advance rates on like all these guys are not that crazy actually is the Baltimore Ravens. Um, Lamar Jackson is one of the elite quarterbacks that really hasn't like done that much. Like, he's been okay. And uh, he had a good week last week against the Rams, uh, which is why Howell's going to, you know, hang 40 on him. But it, it, it hasn't been awesome for Lamar this year he's been okay but just ne- you you always have you're always left like wanting more from yeah. even when Lamar has his good games but i don't think that that is like indicative of what the upside is is for him isaiah likely i think is you know not as good as mark andrews but if you have isaiah likely on teams like add him to that tight end mix of guys you want to have on teams you know he's certainly not going to be sure. super super high owned i don't think he's the same as like last year but I, I don't care actually. I being out there and running almost every route with one ninety one percent route participation last week. Yeah, I'll take it, man. I don't care. I don't care if he's you know doesn't have the same target share as as last year. I don't. I don't care if it's Zay, even Bateman, even Bateman on teams. I'm. I'm not. I don't think Bateman's gonna like win it for me. But dude, all it takes is one, and that passing offense is really good. Like it's it's really good. I don't think they can lean on that run game. Even Keaton is is fun, but Keaton's like. Fun. They, but they can't like lean on Gus to go win them games. Um, and they get the Jags this week. Uh, I'm sure that, you know, and probably have some even data offhand that Jags defense has collapsed. It, it probably wasn't very good anyway, to begin with. It was probably just a, a little bit of flukiness for the first like month or six weeks or whatever. I think I saw something uh, first half of the season. The Jags defense was something like seventh in EPA allowed per play. And they're like 28th ever ever since yeah. uh it's somewhere it, uh, don't quote me on that they've been a, they've been a big pass funnel that's one of the ones where it's funny i got like pushback or there's like a anti-pass funnel narrative uh just but i feel like pass funnel stuff has been extremely useful this year um and the run funnel stuff because i think it's especially if you're looking at things like teams our team shifting to the pass against these teams do they have a negative pass rate ever expected are they is their pass rate ever expected like shifting up or down in a meaningful way on against these teams? And the Jaguars have been like a pass funnel in those types of metrics all season. Um, even when 
I was like a little bit skeptical of their run defense, and I thought their pass defense was better than than it, than it actually was. Um, you know, like eight weeks ago or something. They the pass funnel data was telling us teams teams think you attack the Jaguars through the air. So yeah, there that's a that's an interesting matchup for the Ravens. They um they've kind of needed teams to push them. And I don't know that Trevor Lawrence is is necessarily up to it, but they were aggressive last week against the Ravens or against the Browns. So I think they'll I think they'll pass. So that one's I like that one. I mean and the Ravens, the Ravens are good. They like they haven't had the fantasy results, but the Ravens, I mean, they're like the favorite for the one seed. It's not breaking news, but that's they're kind of a sleeping giant potentially for fantasy. That's exactly it. It feels like that sleeping giant that has been like fine all year, but just has never really exploded. No, I mean Zay's been very good, but no one has like set the world on fire to where you know they're crazy popular in the best ball playoffs. And like, even if they have a big game this week, they're not that popular. They're not so popular that they will be, you know, crazy hot, right? This isn't two years ago, Cooper cup and Mark Andrews type of a situation. And so I think they have a big game this week against Jacksonville. Then they get San Fran next week, who is not like a dream matchup, but if you're going to attack San Fran, I'm going to sure as hell going to do it through the air, which is, Again, Mark Andrews and all those pass catchers feels good. And then you get Miami in week 17, who is also another fine defense, but I'll take my chances against their defense. I mean, Will Levis just absolutely carved carved them up. Uh, Xavier Howard is a shell of himself. Jalen Ramsey can't do everything. Uh, I, I, I'll take the shootout in that one. Uh, the, the Ravens just feel like, you know, we're close to, we made this bet on them as a collective over the course of the whole season. And it was like kind of right, but hasn't really hit in a big way. And it's just like set to explode over the best ball playoffs. They, I just feel really, really strong about like Lamar stacks or, or really any Ravens exposure. So let me, let me build on that one. I'll, I'll give the, the people one more before we get out of here. I'll say another guy that you, that you have to have in week 17 mm-hmm. is Devon Achan. He comes Ooh. back from this, this toe injury. And we get the Ravens and the Dolphins, right? This is going to have major playoff implications. Mm-hmm. There's no messing around here from Mike McDaniel. You know, he's he's getting his best guys out there. This is going to be a big game. Uh, HN, the reason you have to have him is because he misses this week and next week. Oh, and so- wow. So he doesn't help you get there. So it's it's teams that drafted Mostert and Achan. It's teams that you know are able to sneak in without you know with just Achan that don't have Mostert. So you're gonna get we're talking Devon Achan mega leverage spike week against the Ravens week 17 correlation because you want the the finally we get you know the the Ravens being pushed so Lamar Jackson blows up just like Eric laid out. You're gonna want that. The week 17 correlation play ends up being eight chan bringbacks on uh, on Lamar Jackson stacks. Now I'm gonna roster bait to close. Just like we <laughs> we we started with a, uh, we started with something you that, immediately have a team. We started with something that the people love, and we're gonna finish with something that the people love. Hearing about a team that they don't have, 
that somebody else has. But you just happened to outline one of the teams. I told you at the beginning I was looking for Antonio Gibson teams because Brian Robinson is out. I don't have I, any of these teams, by the way. So I just I, – I, 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 I told you on the roster, baby. I told you I'm excited. I told you I'm excited. I told you I'm excited. I told you I'm excited for the Ravens. We got Sam Laporta. I told you I've been looking for any news that maybe Cole Turner is actually going to touch the field this week. (laughs) Cole Turner on this team. But actually good wide receivers. Amon Ra, Jalen Waddell, DK Metcalf, our boy JSN, Gabe Davis, and Zay Flowers. So we, we somehow avoided Rashad Bateman. It's stacked with Lamar. Kenny Pickett, whatever. We'll ignore Kenny Pickett. But Antonio Gibson, A-Chan, is uh, one of the the Dolphins bringbacks, and we got my guy Kyron and our guy Chuba wow. down here. We got Tajay Algier. So how, we got you, Al- how are you going to spend the money, dude? We got this, Al- team, this team is sick. When we when we when we win three milli with this team with both of our takes uh, for for week seventeen, we'll celebrate. I'll, I'll throw a pizza party. Hell you yeah. guys can all you guys can all have some have some pizza. But by uh, the way, it was it was just funny. Note. It was just funny that you brought it up because I was like, this is literally one of the teams I'm most excited about, and it has everything that you just said. Or we that just... team is filthy. That is a that is that's an amazing team. That's best ball mania, right? Yeah, best ball mania. Wow. I don't, don't right. look at the rest of my teams. If you're in any of my pods that aren't that team, don't look at those because they're not very good. But I'm excited <laughs> about that one. That, that team that seems like worth five teams. That seems <laughs> nasty. Um, the picket one. I just want to know. Uh, I so I did I maxed the mastiff. I got four of the seven in. Um, my worst, that's nice. My worst of the seven, you know, how like you can leave because they're slow. I did them slow, so um, I would like name the team like a note to myself. Gretch uh was the one who, who got me on this tip. Yep, and my worst scoring team is called Take Picket. <laughs> 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 did you ever change? Did you just leave it? No, as, I just left take, it. Yeah, I just left it as take like, picket. Leave this trash as, as take <laughs> picket. <laughs> That's what, I should have named all my uh, Rashad Penny teams. That like <laughs> this is this is fucking Rashad Penny. Just don't don't even look. Just just ignore it. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll we will be back at a future date to talk about all of the absolute misses, such as Rashad Penny. Uh, and and Kenny Pickett, but thank you, of course, for joining us. As always, I like to get to uh, the promotion at the very end of a two-hour episode. If you have not, up until this point, you probably already have, but if you have not, make sure you go subscribe to Legendary Upside on legendaryupside.com. If you are a Legendary Upside subscriber, you can use promo code LEGUP on Spike Week to get 40% off of our tool subscription. So with playoff best ball season upcoming you have access to uh our tool called the draft hacker i can barely draft without it anymore i think i actually am obviously very biased but i think it's a huge edge especially in formats like playoff best ball to have a tool that can help it's not telling you who to pick but can just point out things that can help make better teams while you're drafting um and you can get 40% off of that subscription. You also get access to Draft IQ and all of our premium tools at Spike Week if you are a Legendary Upside subscriber. We will uh, we'll, we'll maybe be back at some course or at some point over the uh, the course of the rest of the season to talk some playoff best ball. We considered it today, but uh, yeah, wait, wait, way too many. Uh, we got to talk about Robert Woods and Cole Turner and stuff. We can't get to playoff best ball uh, uh, today, but we'll be back at a future date. Pat, do you have anything else before we hop out of here? Yeah, no, the playoff best ball stuff is um, 
is we're, we're focusing on that too over at Legendary Upside. Um, we'll be working on kind of a different style of tool. This would be like, a, it's going to be like a shiny app that's on Legendary Upside that you can, um, it's essentially dynamic rankings. So using some of the things we know about playoff best ball, you know, we don't want to be drafting like five and six teams. We want to be drafting like teams that can actually all play each other in the third round to help get you to the Super Bowl. You want a live team for the Super Bowl. Kind of like giving you a dynamic rankings list as you put in the picks you've made to help you make better picks. I also think that one of the reasons to sign up for Spike Week with promo code leg up is because you can have the draft hacker, which actually has access to the draft as you're as you're actually drafting. And then you could have this, these dynamic rankings up, which are giving you some more player based recommendations. So if you want to go like full minority report with you, you got everything, <laughs> get the gloves on. And you're like, all right, Ravens Charlie, to the Super Bowl. Charlie from Always Sunny. You're over it. Yeah, you're yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Smoking yeah. a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> That's I mean, I I I think I genuinely think it will give you a massive edge because this is a game where like we talk about the week 17 stuff, and it's like almost like a fun throwaway. We talk, you know, oh, this game, you know, the, the commanders 49ers will shoot out. Um Ravens uh Ravens Dolphins will shoot out. You, you're going to want that correlation, but like it's a little bonus lever that we're pulling. And with the playoff best ball, it's not a bonus. It is table stakes, yep. and many, 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 many people are not pulling that lever. They're not live to win. Correct. And so, getting like having a couple different ways of keeping you on the rails. Like this isn't like a, a small thing you're doing to like increase the EV of an already live team. This is how you build live teams is. And I think for me, like having tools that help me just like very quickly assess like where I am in the draft, where I am in a scenario based drafting game. I think it's just it's you can't you really can't like understate how important it is in my opinion. I totally agree. Obviously, we're both <clears throat> we're both biased. I'm certainly biased, but I think once Pat started telling me about what they what they were doing, I got uh, very excited. Of course, we uh, we were lucky enough to uh, help Pat. We developed our own <clears throat> simulations for the playoffs and playoff odds and all of that that are helping with some of the some of the rankings. And I I just like if it were me, and I were trying to draft how I wanted to like be the the perfect playoff best ball player. I would have what Pat is describing as what's coming out on legendaryupside.com and I would have the draft hacker like I would like you said I would have multi screens and I would be drafting with both of those up and having them help me navigate through my drafts. You can do some of these things in your head but you, the the human brain is only capable of doing so much and yeah <laughs> Also, yeah, why? Like, uh, you know, you could sit, you could sit and like do other things. Like I said, sit back like Charlie and uh, smoke some cigarettes or whatever, and and enjoy yourself. But I, but in all seriousness, it, it the edge, like you said, is not in even this thing that we're talking about here with making sure that you have live teams. That's like table stakes. We're trying to give you something that can help, like really take it to the next level. Um, yeah. and, and I really, I really do think kind of the combination of these things is, is awesome. Um, I'm, so I'm excited to, to utilize it here, uh, for this particular playoff basketball season, we will be back, uh, to talk some more about it. Maybe we'll even get a hop in some drafts, see if we can put it to use a little bit. Yep. 
uh, for in, sure in real time i'm sure that won't be a shit show at all uh you know, <laughs> try, try, trying to stream stream drafts with the draft hacker and and your dynamic rankings i can't imagine how that could ever go south but uh, i am I, I'm, I'm i'm really excited to uh to dive into it i've done a handful of playoff best ball drafts and uh it's been i, I i'm in, i'm enjoying it uh it's the other it's thing god's, god's game go ahead well the other thing i just want to say like with the tools that we're talking about like they're just they're guiding you, and like I can tell you from firsthand experience that it, it's still really really fun because yes. it's not you're getting you're getting guidance on what makes sense given what you already did, but what makes sense is not Rasheed Rice. It's a you know a, a many different paths that you can still take, but there are paths that are basically closed, and so yeah. that is what the the tools are going to be helping you with not um you know just kind of when i take this guy now i take this guy now i take this guy it's actually to me it, it makes it the whole experience way more fun because it's helping me uh understand just like where i am it's like a it's like having a map that i'm stealing that by the way that it's 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 telling you what options are closed um because sometimes i struggle with defining our our tools especially like the draft hacker because it it there's we've added so many options that even i can't recite them all you know there's like you can <laughs> there's like a hundred different things you can show on your screen at at any given time while you're while you're drafting not quite as many for playoff best ball but still and so <clears throat> trying to describe to a casual person or someone that's never used it before can be a little daunting you know it, it can it can be a lot it's a new thing and a new technology but really that's exactly what it's doing we're not telling you who to pick we're not saying you have to pick this person right you right. took tyreek in the first round you have to do this in the second round what it's doing is actually the opposite as pat said it's it's here's the roads that are closed mm -hmm. you can you, you can take these other four paths there's still four other roads open available to you you pick we don't give a shit like what like we can have no it's gonna yell at you either you're just gonna it's yeah. just gonna be like all right here's the next here's might, now what's closed exactly we might have uh rankings that we would say we we might pick you know in a vacuum but also like it's up to you you're building a portfolio and all that what we're trying to do is just tell you right that like we're gonna put the bumpers on <laughs> your bowling we're gonna put the bumpers on we're gonna make this just we're, we're not gonna be able to bowl a strike for you and you can you can throw a curve, you can throw it straight, you can throw it off the yeah, bumper for all I care. That. Yeah, go go have fun, go drink a beer, and and you know go have fun bowling. But we're gonna put those bumpers on, and it, it just makes it like you said, it makes it so easy, and it also a lot of the times opens my eyes to things that I never. It lets you I think about the stuff that's more fun to think about because you're not like yes. having to calculate out. And yeah, you're so you guys built sims that actually calculate out like how likely is you know, San Francisco to play Detroit in the conference championship game, which mm -hmm. is what's powering some of the dynamic ranking stuff that we're doing. Cause we need to be able to, to, to know that, right. If you're, you're boosting people up. How often should up. you take the lions with the Niners? Like it's, the possible Niners, you, it's possible you should never do it because it's 1% or whatever for them to play, but also it could be 30%. And when you take Debo in the first round, you should be prioritizing Amon Ra and you, the human brain cannot possibly calculate right. all that right in real time. So we're helping you do that. How should you be taking the Packers with the 49ers? No, because the Packers are likely to be a six or seven seed. And so they're going to get in. And they the only way they would, you know, if they get in, they're going to be six or seven probably. And if they are the six, then they need the seven to upset the one. 
so that they don't go play the one. That's unlikely. So they're very likely to go play the one, which means they're going to get knocked out before the conference championship game or the 49ers are. And that's bad if you're drafting them together. So you're going <laughs> right. to, so, so like, that's the type of stuff where now do you like never want to do that. I probably, probably, yeah, you never want to do it, but there's some <laughs> stuff where like, maybe you want to mix in some and, you know, but so it's not, again, it's not like saying you have to do this, but, like, I don't want to calculate who while I'm drafting. Like, I don't want to be calculating out like, oh, wait, what, they're the six. Does that mean so I draft the Eagles or oh, shit, I missed my pick. Exactly. <laughs> like, I want to be I want to be thinking through like the fun player level stuff, the teams that I'm building. And so anyway, the tools uh, we did it at the end, but I think we did a good job uh, promoting the tools. I think the tools genuinely make the game way more fun. I, I, I think so, too. That's the it's the kind of final cherry on top is that it, it's, of course, <clears throat> Ultimately, we want to enjoy this whole experience. Of course, we want to make money, but like if it's completely miserable to do it or the, the tools are making it worse on you, who cares? Uh, I, I really genuinely do. Like I enjoy pulling up the tools and, dra- and drafting teams. I also learn things every single time. Like literally I did like 700 something drafts this summer uh, for best ball. Uh, I definitely did not do all of them using the draft hacker. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm also an adult human being. I, you know, I, I can't sit at my desk and draft a thousand teams over the course of the summer. But every single time I did, I would find something and learn something. And then like, I felt like it grew my best ball game every single time uh, to see different combinations and different, um, you know, things that would strategically make more sense on a given team that if I was just drafting on my phone, sitting upstairs, laying on the couch, I would never have seen. I would never have seen. And that's absolutely the case for playoff best ball. And it's probably even more powerful for, yeah, for playoff best ball. I think ball. it is. So, um, the mistakes we'll, are magnified. Yes, I think 100%. Yeah. Exactly. You you almost can't make a mistake in like a too big of a mistake. You in can regular salvage season best ball. You can't yeah, salvage yeah. a lot of the mistakes that you make no, in playoff best ball. You screw up in playoff best ball. That team is done. It's over. It's done. Like, yep. yeah. Um, so that's why this stuff is so important. We will, of course, as I mentioned, uh, be back at some point in in the near future we'll see what kind of scheduling makes sense we appreciate you guys and hopefully you enjoyed uh, i enjoyed uh, it was a, a fun conversation i believe we said uh, go ravens go george kittle uh go jsn and uh, go sam howell i'm i'm on board i'm on board and let's, let's yeah go. perfect perfect outro go sam howell <laughs> see you guys next time peace Those were some spicy takes. Want to stay up to date with all of the other spicy takes we're going to have over here at Spike Week? Why don't you press that subscribe button below? You turn notifications on, we draft a team, boom, you know about it. We have another spicy take, boom, you know about it. You can be there. You can draft with us. You want to stay up to date? That's how you do it. All right, we'll catch you later next time here at Spike Week. Spike Week.